Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> What's going on? You've got the ridiculous crew here. Got Chase over there, Josh right here, and Chase uh, in the right corner, Josh <laughs> in the left corner. And you know what? We are back with you after that uh, fantastic ending to the series of Game of Thrones. Uh, last week we tackled season eight, episode six, and I know at the very, very end, what we usually do for you is we kind of do a uh, like a closing outro, talk about numbers, all the places you can find us. Uh, online to to follow, subscribe, and just enjoy the content. Uh, what we wanted to do this time, just a little something different. Uh, really wanted to kind of give that feeling, that sad feeling that Game of Thrones is over, right? So if you guys remember back in season three with the Red Wedding, when all of that happened, the, the screen kind of just came out and there was no sound, no music. It was just dark, and then the credits were flashing at you of what, like, who wrote and all that. So you just were sitting in your, your like horror and like the awestruck moment. Like there was just silence, and that's kind of the vibe we wanted to give to you guys as the audience. Is that you know, Game of Thrones, it's over. We're done with it. Uh, season eight has been completed, and today we will be tackling our summary episode pretty badass episode it's almost like the encore for the episodes man um my big thing here what's cool if y'all's been following us since february i mean this has been a hell of a ride right gosh yeah i mean think about it like we talked about we talk about this all the time you guys have spent the majority of 2020 if you've been with us from the beginning listening to game of thrones this has been by the time it's done and said and done, it'll be a little over five months of just Game of Thrones content. And to to kind of get back into the arc and fall in love with the characters all over again, and then for that all to come to an end, you get that little bit of an empty feeling. And so, uh, no, I'm really excited about uh, wrapping a lot of things up because, you know what, today what we're going to do, uh, we've got a certain kind of outline that we want to follow, right? So... What we want to kind of talk about with our summary is we're going to kind of go in because I, I don't know about you, man, but last time, like I'm sorry, last year when this show aired, we were getting a lot of like people, at least I saw a lot of people complaining about how Danny's character arc ended up and how she became the Mad Queen and how that kind of, they, they say, oh, they just threw that in there. It came out of nowhere. Well, in reality, it's been building up for a long time. I know we've been, we've been trying to show you guys every single episode that we do if there's anything that kind of goes in there a quick flash like we'll mention hey this is a foreshadow well now i've we've compiled every single time anything she ever said foreshadowed her to making the decision that she made in season eight episode five the bells so we want to tackle those the uh build up to the steps and the quotes that you know were leading up to her becoming the mad queen we also obviously have to tackle, I know the, this is the biggest thing for the majority of the fans, all the unanswered questions, the unfulfilled prophecies, the characters who just were never heard from again, ones that should have had a big role that just didn't. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that, uh, not only you know what those situations were, but either like how we think they tried to solve it, or maybe their initial attempt at it, or maybe even just giving you guys our opinion on what we think they could have done better, or if they just left it completely blank, what we think would have worked you know, in addition to that. And the great thing about this episode is if, you know, since you've been following us from the beginning, we understand Game of Thrones is very in depth. It's 
very different than a lot of shows out there. There's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of prophecies and religions. If there was questions you all had where you felt like things were unanswered or maybe you might have gotten confused at one point, that's what this episode is for. Is This is all going to put it in perspective of almost like not just a, a chronological order like you've been watching on the seasons, but all these answers that you've been looking for that maybe didn't get answered, or say if they did get answered by what their perspective was, but what it should have been in our opinion. And to, just to your point, what you're talking about with you know what we our opinions on what it is, you know, guys, we want to hear what your opinions are too. You know, we love interacting with our fans. You know, we're on every single platform of social media that's available out there to be on, and so. If you guys, if you hear this today and you think that you have a better idea or you th- you have a different opinion that you think uh, you know makes more sense, we'd love to debate and go back and forth with you guys. It's a debate show. Me and him, we get real heated up sometimes <laughs> talking about things we disagree about. So we want to hear your different perspectives as well on certain things that we're going to bring up. Because, you know, I mean, just because it makes sense in our head doesn't mean that there's not a better, better alternative out there. And keep in mind, guys, you know, when me and him do this, we don't hear each other's uh, like own notes until live on the show. So I don't know what he's going to say. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. So when we do our debates back and forth, it's live and in the moment. So if you guys are you know, sending us an email or a direct message on Instagram or commenting on our posts, you know, we're gonna they're gonna be able to go back and forth with you live right there without you know going too much in depth and thinking about it because that's the that's the whole point of the show. Yeah, and and. I mean, that's what's really cool is Josh and me, either they'll directly line up or sometimes they're completely different. Yeah. (laughs) Take a shot. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Malice in the Chalice, by the way. Yeah, completely in to start the the thing out. The dilly dilly. Had that Malice in the Chalice. Yeah, Yeah, it took us a while to get there. We're we're messing up on that one, man. (laughs) One more for the dilly dilly. One one more for the the folks. All right, man, let's do it. But awesome. as oh nice dilly dilly, but um as for what you were saying, I mean we've been trying to tell you guys this from the beginning. This wasn't something. I mean I don't. I mean something. I think a lot of things can be different in season eight, but this wasn't something they just pulled out of their ass. We've been trying to show you this from the beginning. This has been foreshadowed all the way since season one. Some about the Danny Mad Queen part. Danny Mad okay. Queen. Yeah, Got going it. back to where we were. I see rewrites all the time from people like on YouTube and stuff, and they're like, well, instead of Danny going mad and burning King's Landing, you know, she turned out to be great. They did all the stuff, had this child, nothing happened. She negotiated. Like, then you're really not doing any of it justice because all that other shit made no sense then. Like, they just completely cut it out. You can do it maybe a different way if you want, but the problem is people say all the time they just made this ending because they were trying to rush it. I completely agree they were trying to rush it. Take a shot. But (laughs) this was foreshadowed all the way since the original book, Game of Thrones, in season one. Game of Thrones. So, and that's just the part about Danny the Mad Queen. There's still the other unanswered prophecies and questions and character, like, you know, that just disappeared. So, we're going to tackle the summary. We're going to give it as much justice. You know, we're, we're, our hope is that by the time you hear the end of the summary, you can't say that we didn't lay it all out on the table for you. <laughs> you've been, you know, you've kind of heard Easter eggs of this. Yeah. 
summary episode through kind of every now and then episode especially when we kind of go on tangents i think this was the episode josh and i were most excited for mm-hmm. all season and it wasn't even part of the like seasons because, because <laughs> yeah. to your point it's the one time where we don't follow we're not following a chronological sequence of events like you know as we're seeing it on screen and taking notes on it this is stuff that we've noticed along the way that needs to be answered in one aspect or another so right uh yeah, man, I think this is... I think we should dive into it. You want to tell them the outline real quick, kind of how our story is Yeah, so, so just to give you the... you know, I kind of mentioned it like before, but when we started talking about the rewrites, uh, just to kind of go through the full outline, it's going to start with this. It's going to start uh, with Daenerys uh, and her build-up to becoming the Mad Queen. It's going to jump into those unanswered uh, events, the unfulfilled prophecies, the characters who just either never showed up or played a very small role when they should have played a bigger role, um, just one of those big things that were left us like, hey, what, what happened to X, Y, Z? And then we'll, we'll close out uh, the summary. It's gonna be it's gonna be badass. This uh, man, yeah, this hell of a ride. It's it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And one more thing we'll talk about before we jump into the summary episode. Uh, if you guys see what we got here, I wanna I always like to kind of put it uh, like visually describe it with my words if you know if you only watch us uh, or listen to us on our podcast whether it be you know apple spotify iHeartRadio, or through our direct website and you're not watching and seeing us live here like on youtube you don't get to see what's in front of us we always do a centerpiece right and we kind of plug and play based on the episodes and who lives and who dies and so what's amazing with this summary episode is that we get to put everybody together so what you're seeing here guys you're seeing Chase's entire box set of Game of Thrones <laughs> from season one all the way to season eight, built around us like the wall. You know, so that was, this is all on purpose. You see the three dragons up there. You see uh, Arya next to Melisandre. You know, obviously you'll be able to draw the comparison to why we did that. But there's nothing that we do here that's by accident. It's all by design. And so I just wanted to kind of paint that picture for the people who yeah. don't get to see it. Like know? we said, get those notebooks out for the Hallmark channel. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, Let's do baby. It. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So what do you what do you say we do? We want to jump in and start talking about the, the lead up to the Mad Queen? Yeah, and I think it's important because like we were saying, there's so many people. I think we can both agree. Season 8 wasn't what we exactly wanted at all (laughs) sorry i'm more i'm more critical of it than chase's but yeah i think i was super critical of it and then i rewatched it and saw a lot more detail that i didn't notice um it's still definitely not my favorite season but it's standable does that make sense i mean to to a point because at at the end of the day like just because we can accept certain things that happen and we know that there's a lot of full circle detailed moments doesn't mean they didn't miss a lot of stuff that should have been uh, addressed and that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today and so i think you know without further ado guys let me start off with the very first quote that i have from daenerys and this actually ends up back in season two episode so I wrote down the season and episode. So if you guys have questions, like if we're just pulling this out of our of our ass, well, guess what? I'm gonna let you be able to know exactly when you guys can go back and verify everything that we say. So, build to the Mad Queen, season two, episode four. Danny speaking to the trader of spices at the gates of Koth. She says, 13, 
When my dragons are grown, we will take back what was stolen from me and destroy those who have wronged me. We will lay waste to armies and burn cities to the ground. Turn us away and we will burn you first. Now, if that's not a foreshadow, bro, I don't know what is. And, and guess what he replies to her? He goes back and says, you are a true Targaryen. So this is something, you know, this, that's the very first big quote. This is season two, episode four. This is way back in the beginning, right? Then not to be outdone, season two, episode six. Danny again speaking to the trader of spices in an attempt to get him to loan her his ships. She says, I am Daenerys Stormborn of the blood of old Valyria, and I will take what is mine with fire and blood. I will take it. Season two again, guys. Season three. <laughs> Season three, episode seven. Danny meets with the wise master of Yunkai to prevent a battle for the city. The, the, uh, the master of Yunkai says, we ask that you make use of these ships. Sail them back to Westeros where you belong and leave us to conduct our affairs in peace. And then and he goes, I have a gift for you. She tells him, I have a gift for you as well. Your life and the lives of your wise masters. But I also want something in return. You will release every slave in Yunkai Every man, woman, and child should be given as much food, clothing, and property as they can carry as payment for their years of servitude. Reject this gift, and I shall show you no mercy. To which he replies, you are mad. No shit. <laughs> Foreshadowing at its finest. <laughs> now we jump into season four episode seven so guys we're still in the beginning half of this of this entire series and we've already got three huge quotes that have been foreshadowing this big event now this is good guys listen to this danny's speaking with jorah about yunkai and asaport taking their cities back this is right after dario like sweet talked his way into danny's pants oh yeah and was left out there and we move <laughs> in the club and you shake my stuff Ooh, big dirty. You guys know us. Every time he says that exact thing, I've got a drink. Oh, and big he brings dirty. that one up every <laughs> single time. There's so many other songs that can be related to mm. that, but that's the only one he goes with and every little, time. Little Jay Bear is sitting there watching as as Dario gets his damn dirty on. And Jay Bear, be strong, Jay Bear. Don't cry. Don't let her see you cry. Get him out of my fucking sight. What's kind of funny too, because like that's one of the things he kind of makes a joke. Uh, well, burns her really. He kind of like insults her because she go. He goes up. He crosses Dario in the uh, little hallway, and he goes, "Ah, you're here. You're going to see our queen. She's in a good mood this morning." <laughs> and then he walks in there, and she goes, "You're here early." And he goes, "Later than some." <laughs> like burns her ass, bro. But anyways, like in, in this that in this kind of conversation, uh, Danny, because he was like, "Yeah, you shouldn't trust a man like this." And so Danny goes, "This is her quotes." I could never have faith in a man like Dario. That's why I've sent him and the second sons to retake Yunkai. And Jorah replies, you have. And Danny says back, I have. Jorah then says, without you there to rule Khaleesi, I fear the masters will simply bide their time 
wait for the invaders to leave and reassert control. To which Danny says, that is why I have ordered Dario to execute every master in Yunkai. The masters tear babies from their mother's arms. They mutilate little boys by the thousands. They train little girls in the art of pleasuring old men. They treat men like beasts, as you said yourself. And Joris says back, Well, hurting the masters and the pens and slaughtering them by the thousands is also treating men like beasts. The slaves you freed, brutality is all they've ever known. If you want, to, if you, if you want them to know something different, you'll have to show it to them. Guys, she literally just said she was going to execute every single master, innocent or guilty, in Yunkai because they, they defied her as, an, as a whole. She just said, well, screw it. They're all dead. And Jorah has to talk her out of it. Now, <laughs> Season 5, Episode 2. After finding the Son of the Harpy in the wall, they're all congregated, figure, trying to figure out what they're going to do about the situation. The slave, the one that like the one that spoke for all the slaves, remember him? Mm-hmm. Please, Your Grace, you must kill him. And Danny replies, "It would send a message." Barrison Selmy then says, "I think you should exercise restraint, Your Grace." And Danny, with a dirty look in her face, says, "Why?" And Barrison replies, "For one thing, he may have valuable information. We don't know what this man did or didn't do." Give him a trial at least, a fair trial. Show all the citizens of Marine that you are better than those who would depose you. Teach them a better way. And so then Barrison asks to have a word with her in private, immediately following that. And and Danny asks, a word about what? And Barrison says, about your father, about the Mad King. Danny says, the Mad King? You're here to remind me of my enemy's lies? Consider me reminded. And Barrison says, Your Grace, I served in his king's guard. I was at his side from the first. Your enemies did not lie. Danny says, Go on. Barrison replies, When the people rose in revolt against him, your father set their towns and castles aflame. He murdered sons in front of their fathers. He, mur- he burned men alive with wildfire and laughed as they screamed. And his efforts to stamp out dissent led to the rebellion that killed every Targaryen except two. And Dan replies, I'm not my father. Oh, yeah? Okay. (laughs) Barrison says, No, Your Grace, thank the gods. But the Mad King gave his enemies the justice he thought they deserved. And each time, it made him feel powerful and right until the very end. So again, basically warning her of if you keep going along this path, what can happen to you? I've seen it happen. I watched your father do it. So, I want you to read this one here. Season 6, Episode 9. Danny returning to Marine under the attack from Yunkai and Astapor talking to Tyrion. Shall we begin? Say, t- tell him who's saying what. So, Danny says, shall we begin? Right? So, Danny is talking to Tyrion. Right. And Danny goes, shall we begin? And did you tell him they're returning from Marine? Yeah. So this, attack from the yeah. UK? Yep. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and then Tyrion says, Do we have a plan? I will crucify the masters. I will set their fleets of fire, kill every last one of their soldiers, and return their cities at the dirt. This is my plan. You once told me you knew what your father was. 
Did you know his plan for King's Landing? When the Lannister armies were at the gates. Probably for King's Landing. Wait, Probably not. <laughs> I can't read Josh's writing. No worries. I'll, I'll take it. So I'll start that one over, guys. Sorry. So season six, episode nine. Like, Danny returned to Marine under attack from Yunkai and asked support talking to Tyrion. Danny says, shall we begin? And Tyrion, like Chase said, he replies, well, do we have a plan? And Danny tells him, well, I will crucify the masters. I will set their fleets aflame, kill every last one of their soldiers, and return their cities to the dirt. That is my plan. And Tyrion goes right back at her and says, well, you once told me you knew what your father was. Did you know his plan for King's Landing when the Lannisters' armies were at his gates? Probably not. Well, he told my brother, and Jaime told me. He had caches of wildfire hidden under the Red Keep. The Guild Halls, the Septa Balor, all the major thoroughfares. He would have burned every one of his citizens, the loyal ones and the traitors. Every man, woman, and child, and that's why Jamie killed him. Danny says, this is entirely different. To which Tyrion replies, you're talking about destroying cities. It's not entirely different. Every time she's had a crazy idea, like returning the city to the dirt, killing all the soldiers, someone's had to talk her out of it. So now it went from, it went from Jorah to Selmy to Tyrion. Now we go up here to Season 7, Episode 2. Danny at Dragonstone talking strategy with Tyrion and Varys. Danny says, If Viserys had three dragons and an army at his back, he'd have invaded King's Landing already, as if she's impatient to get on with it. And Tyrion replies back to her, Conquering Westeros would be easy for you, but you're not here to be Queen of the Ashes. Has to remind her, again, why you're doing this. Right? Now, we get into Season 7, Episode 4. Danny at Dragonstone, learning that they were outsmarted at Casterly Rock when Tyrion made one of his big mistakes, right? Danny tells him, Enough with the clever plans. I have three large dragons. I'm going to fly them to the Red Keep. And Tyrion cuts her off. We've discussed this. And Danny recuts him off. My enemies are in the Red Keep. What kind of queen am I if I'm not willing to risk my life to fight them? And Tyrion sarcastically replies, a smart one. And so Danny then looks to John. Danny asks, what do you think I should do? And Jon Snow tells her, I would never presume to, and then Danny cuts him off. I'm at war. I'm losing. What do you think I should do? And John tells her, I never thought that dragons would exist again. No one did. The people who follow you know that you made something impossible happen. And maybe that helps them believe that you can make other impossible things happen. Build a world that's different from the shit one they've always known. But if you use them to melt castles and burn cities, you're not different. You're just more of the same. Now John's got to tell her what she should be doing. Because she's has these crazy impulses all along. Now we get into Season 7, Episode 5. Danning holding her own trial after advising her enemies to bend the knee or die. This is with uh, Dickon and Randall Tarley, right? Danny burns Randall Tarley and Dickon Tarley even though Tyrion was asking her to take the alternative actions. He asked three different times for three different alternatives. And then she still went about and burned them her own way, which you saw how that created a huge conflict later on with Sam Tarley, right? 
Then the quote that I'm focusing on here, under that is Tyrion talking to Varys after the incident. He tells Varys, I am her hand, not her head. I can't make her decisions for her. As we start to see how this is leading up to where it's going to become a big problem. Because then Varys tells him, you need to find a way to make her listen. Right? Because burning people alive like that without a trial, without anything other than just either bend the knee or die, it's not right. Now, we get into the final season. Season 8, Episode 4. Danny's at the War Council discussing the last war. Danny tells everyone, We will hit her hard, referring to Cersei. We will, we will rip her out, root and stem. And Tyrion has to remind her, the objective here is to remove Cersei without destroying King's Landing. And then what Varys tells her is like, well, we've got the Prince of Dorne in our pocket. She's pleasantly loyalty to you. And we've got Yara who retook the Iron Islands in your grace's name. Danny replies, no matter how many lords turn against her, as long as she sits on the Iron Throne, she can call herself Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. We need the capital. Tyrion and Jon literally have to come up with a plan to surround the city and make her see that they can do it without killing everyone. And even after that, she says grudgingly, you can see it on screen, grudgingly says, alright. Like she's annoyed that she had to make a compromise where she didn't kill everybody. Now, this is, this is probably my favorite one. Season 8, Episode 4. Danny with Varys, Tyrion, and Grey Worm after Euron killed Rhaegal took Missandei captive. And took Missandei captive. Grey Worm, out of nowhere, goes, We will storm the city, my queen. We will kill your enemies, all of them. Varys looks at her. She, he goes, Your grace... I promised you I will look you in the eye and speak directly if I ever thought you were making a mistake. This is a mistake. And Danny replies, You saw my child fall from the sky. They took Miss Sande. And Varys tells her again, Cersei needs to be destroyed, but if we attack King's Landing with Drogon and the Unsullied and the Dothraki, tens of thousands of innocents will die. That is why Cersei is bringing them into the Red Keep. These are the people you came here to protect. I beg you, your grace, do not destroy the city you came to save. Do not become what you have always struggled to defeat. And then Danny goes back at him and says, Do you believe we're here for a reason, Lord Varys? I'm here to free the world from tyrants. That is my destiny, and I will serve it no matter the cost. To which Tyrion has to say, it could be a fortnight before Jon and the Allied armies make it to King's Landing. In the meantime, demand Cersei's surrender, offer her life in exchange for the throne. And Danny, on screen, you can see this, Season 8, Episode 4, she shakes her head no. She doesn't say anything, but she shakes her head no. And Tyrion, like, pleadingly goes, if there's a chance to avoid the oncoming slaughter, we should make the effort. And then Danny says... Speaking to Cersei will not prevent a slaughter. But perhaps it's good the people see that Daenerys Stormborn made every attempt and an effort to avoid bloodshed, and Cersei Lannister refused. They should know who to blame when the sky falls down upon them. She's telling us what she's going to do. Foreshadowing at its finest. What she, like, She's literally letting them know, like, yeah, no, the sky's going to fall down on their head. You should know who to blame. Now, 
this is one that we use to the quote for uh, like the promotion of, of uh, the bells, right? Oh, so yeah. that came out mm-hmm. two weeks ago. So season eight, episode five. Danny's talking with John about what happens when people find out the truth of John's lineage and how Sansa betrayed John, betrayed his trust, and killed Varys as much as she did. Danny tells John, Far more people in Westeros love you than love me. I don't have love here. I only have fear. To which John replies, I love you, and you will always be my queen. And then Danny asks him, Is that all I am to you? Your queen? As she starts kissing him and trying to, like, you know, get involved with him, he, she realizes he's not into it and he pulls away. To which she whispers very menacingly, All right then, let it be fear. <clears throat> now, my last quote before I give you the sequence of events. Season 8, Episode 5 Danny and Dragonstone Throne Room talking about the war with Tyrion Grey Worm. Tyrion says, The people who live there, they're not your enemies. They're innocents, like the ones you liberated in Marine. And Danny replies, In Marine, the slaves turned on their masters and liberated the city themselves the moment I arrived. To which Tyrion says, They're afraid. Anyone who resists Cersei will see his family butchered. You can't expect them to be heroes. They're hostages. And Danny tells him, They are. In a tyrant's grip. Whose fault is that? Mine? And Tyrion replies, what does it matter whose fault it is? Thousands of children will die if the city burns. To which Danny tells him again, your sister knows how to use her enemies' weaknesses against them. That's what she thinks our mercy is. Weakness. To which Tyrion says, I beg you, my queen. And Danny cuts her off. But she's wrong. Mercy is our strength. Our mercy towards future generations that will never again be held hostage by a tyrant. So Danny looks over to Grey Worm. Ready the Unsullied. Tonight you sail for King's Landing to join the Northern Army. And Tyrion has to like stop her and like say real quick, Cersei's followers will abandon her if they know the war is lost. Give them that chance. If the city surrenders, they will ring the bells and raise the gates. Please, if you hear them ringing the bells, call off the attack. And Danny pauses for a while and then nods. Danny then turns to Greyrim and says, Wait for me outside the city you'll know when it's time. So now you guys see, that's, I don't even know how many quotes that was. From the very beginning, all the way up to that last quote that I just mentioned there before they attacked the city, we, we should, if you didn't know what was gonna happen, you haven't been paying attention, okay? Now guys, I'm gonna lead you up to all the events that happened in Daenerys' life that would cause anybody to go mad. We're not blaming Daenerys for this. Yeah. Because if you think about what happens here, listen. Events that led up to her losing her mind. Number one, her brother Viserys, who was with her since infancy, dies. Even though she basically let it happen and like you know watched him die, that's still someone that you've known since your birth, right? Your only other Targaryen that you know because she didn't know who John was back then. Right. The only, like the only right. other one in your line dies, gone. Two, Khal Drogo. The man she loved more than anyone dies, along with her unborn child in her womb, Rago, dies. Three, Ricaro, her uh, blood rider that she sent off in the Red Waste, returned with his head in a saddle because the other, uh, other, he ran into another Kalisar, and they cut his head off and cut his hair and sent it back to her. 
And Eerie, remember she opens the thing and like was crying that they killed his soul? Right. Boom. That's another person super close to Danny. Killed. Number four. Barrison Selmy, one of her closest advisors and a man that knew her father and her brother Rhaegar, died in her service. Number five. Her dragon Viserion, killed by the Night King. Number six. Her longest advisor and friend who was with her even before she had her dragons, Jorah Mormont, dies. Number seven, Euron kills Rhaegal with three scorpion bolts. Two of her children are now dead. Three of them, you count Rhaegal, the unborn one in her stomach, but two of her dragons, dead. Number eight, Varys, her trusted advisor, betrays her. Number nine, Cersei has Missandei's head cut off right in front of Daenerys, losing her best friend. Number 10. The man she loved, Jon Snow, no longer, her, no longer desires her now that he knows they're related, and also happens to be her biggest threat to the Iron Throne. Yeah. And- All of these things as it piled up over the years... So if you didn't see this coming, you haven't been paying attention. And the last thing I have here, King's Landing bells ring and surrender. Danny takes one last moment to think it over, becomes a Mad Queen, and burns them all. And you know, she she even took that extra moment to think. Mm-hmm. Anyone else would have just gone for it. And it's it's sad because all these things, basically one of the biggest thing like you were saying was john like she was he was the last person she felt like was on her side and he kind of broke her trust when he went and told sansa and she asked him not to and it's sad because our favorite queen this is why i only watch one through seven (laughs) (laughs) um she's basically thanos at least Thanos kept 50%, though. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never know it. <laughs> that was kind of part of the problem is that why John had genocide. to end up killing her is yeah. because, you know, she was talking about going throughout the entire world and doing the same things, like, you know, liberating yeah. city by city until, you know, remember that big, long uh, speech you gave speech last week? Last week? Yeah, yeah, dude, the one that you talk about, like, yeah. from, I don't know, the, the narrow sea to, like, the, from the like, whatever. Jade yeah. Sea to Karth to yeah. Winterfell. Yeah, all over the Dorne to Winterfell, like everywhere, man. It's so, still like that's why though I, which we'll get into, one of my rewrites. I think if you were gonna do how quickly, I can't say she snapped quickly. Bro, but it's been building up. It's been building up. But for a statement like that speech I gave last week, you feel like it should have been extended at least a little but it would cause anyone to snap i mean basically bottom line instead of avenging shit she revenged for shit yeah that's what i'm saying think about everything that happened in like a really short amount of time um basically if you think about it if we just go from the long night which was three episodes before like the end of everything right so in the long night alone actually even before that she loses viserion fairly recently to the Night King. So not only like did she lose her child, she's got to fight against her child, right. like, who's dead, and like you know she gets has to see her like dead child fighting against her, right? Then she loses Jorah in the Long Night. She loses Missandei right afterwards. Varys betrays her. John doesn't want her anymore. All that happens in this amount of time, and right not- before they take the city. Of course, she's gonna snap. And like 
like we've been saying in all the previous episodes, it's not like she didn't try to win people over to at least be the better person. Like, think about all the... First of all, she lost Viserion in a fight she didn't even want to fight. Like, yeah. she thought John was there to help her win the King's Landing. And then she decided to go fight with him after Viserion died, when she just went to go rescue him. Now, yeah. if she had listened to Tyrion, she would have been fine, but see you later. But the thing is, is like, when she, got the, when she saw the, the army of the dead beyond the wall, she's like, hey, listen, you don't know like, until you know, and yeah. now I'm, you, know, you got my support. Even before John, like, quote-unquote, bent the knee while he was, like, laid up in the bed, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she was like, you know, you, you, we will fight alongside you against the army of the dead, which is why you know she's a better right. person than Cersei is, because Cersei only she's like, hey, no, y'all go, go have head, have fun. You can fight those dead people. We'll fight whoever's left. <laughs> so and she's then, at least a better person than Cersei, exactly. but like, she's and, still like just a savage. <laughs> and like, even remember, you know, she was trying to negotiate with Sansa like so many times, and it, I mean, I get it, like Sansa never really trusted her which i understand but sansa at the beginning when she first arrived f- people forget the northmen didn't want her there and sansa was a real bitch to her when they arrived remember she was even making marks mark said danny i didn't account for unsullied and two extremely large dragons what do dragons eat anyways and then she said whatever they want they were already having conflicts like she was already in a place she never wanted to be, anyways. Mm-hmm. Which is this is a good point too. You know what? And like I didn't even have this on my unanswered questions. It's just something I just thought about, bro. Can someone answer me the fact? Remember how Danny gave the Iron Islands their freedom? Because remember, like uh, they were Yara and Ethion, uh, they sailed to Marine, and they had an audience with her. With Tyrion was there too. And so they're like, you know, they basically pledged to fight for her. And then she's like, I expect you want your independence in return. And she's like, just the Iron Islands. And then uh, Tyrion says, you know, if every, what if every uh, house in Westeros demands their independence? And Daenerys tells her, like, she's not demanding, she's asking. The other houses are free to ask as well. Which goes like, into... what in the world? Like, so, like, let me get this straight. Like, you're cool with, like, Yara, like, going ahead and sailing you there and giving the iron islands their independence they're not part of the seven kingdoms they can rule themselves but you're not cool with the north doing the same thing when they help you more which yeah that's (laughs) like i don't understand which kind of more goes into though remember we were talking about last episode yara wound up having all this trust for danny where even at the end you know she wanted justice and wanted Mm -hmm. john's head cut off um which where the fuck she was the whole time <laughs> over sip, in the sip, iron islands sipping my ties on the iron islands <laughs> yeah, in. man she was in that two-piece sitting on yep. the beach baby yep so that's just, that's just a question i had though bro like, i just didn't understand how she just immediately gave the iron islands their independence and then like sansa and then like they're doing just as much work for king's landing I don't know, but Here's maybe a, it's because the North has so much more territory that goes with it than the Iron Islands. It's only a small area. I so guess that might be why. But. Here's a question, right? So at what point do you think, because even though this was foreshadowed from the beginning, do you think if it had stopped at some point, she wouldn't have made that decision when the bells were ringing? Yeah, I think that if, um, I think, 
Realistically, bro, I deadass think that if Jorah didn't die, I think that's the moment. I think she could have lived with Viserion dying, but anything after that point, I think it would have made her snap. So her losing Viserion, I think she could have like dealt with it, right? Obviously heartbreaking, but she's not mm-hmm. going to kill everyone in King's Landing over that because the one the people in King's Landing had nothing to do with Viserion dying. Right, yeah. But losing Jorah and then immediately on the way back to Dragonstone right after the Long Night having the Euron kill her second dragon, I think that's the point. Like, I saw her eyes snap when Missandei got her head taken off, but I seriously think that there was no going back after she lost Jorah, the one person that could probably talk her out of doing the most craziest stuff because yeah. he's been there with her since day one. What do you think? Yeah, I have to agree with you because I was even thinking, you know, what if John stuck with her the whole time and didn't agree to tell Sansa and Arya? It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I don't think so. Because she has always been foreshadowed to snap that way. It has to go into the people she lost. Now, I do think, though, if she had Sansa's trust from the beginning and Tyrion didn't make the damn mistakes he made... Tyrion could have talked her out of it. I do think she would have taken out Cersei, but if the plan had worked two times before that and he had stopped making mistakes and Missandei wasn't captured, I think Missandei was the big tilt on the head here. Okay. If Missandei had stayed alive, didn't get captured, not only would Grey Worm's attitude have changed, but also I think it would have changed her attitude because remember, just like you said, she even said, I want everyone to know who's to blame when the sky falls down upon him. Well, keep, keep in mind about this. Grey Worm, straight military, down for war and ever. He's not someone that will counsel restraint. Like He won't be like, no, Daenerys, you shouldn't do this because X, Y, Z. He's like, ready to fight? Let's fight. That's him. Like He's not the, he's not the counselor that... You know Tyrion or Varys or Jorah were, and that's why I think because like I don't think she ever really trusted Varys. That's why she said, "Hey, if you ever betray me, I'll burn you alive." Right. I don't think yeah. she ever trusted Varys. Mm-hmm. I think her, excuse me, her trust went back and forth with Tyrion. I don't think anyone like, ever trusted Varys. And good, to good point because he remember season everyone. five. And what will your son say with all his wheezing problems? Yeah. <laughs> yep, We're talking to Vala. Yeah. Yeah. So like I just I don't think that. I just, I just really think once Jorah was gone, there was no one that could quell that anger rage inside of her. And then everything else that just happened after that was icing on the cake to like justify in her mind why she did what she did. Here's my opposing side to that, though, is remember Grey Worm? He was always talking about going to Noth with Masunday mm-hmm. if everything worked out. Like They would kind of just ride off into the sunset. So it was getting to a point. Well, he was doing. I let me finish yeah, this because yeah, no, I have it, a point it. Yeah, yeah. to it, though. Because I, I say, know what you're going to say. Well, I was going to say that part was not true. Kind of. That's the only thing. Go, go oh, ahead. you're good. Go for it. No, the only thing I was going to say there is because you're right. When she, he said that, that he wanted once all the fighting's done. But keep in mind, once she took King's Landing, she talked about how the fighting ain't done because they're going to take over the whole world. So like he never right. had that chance to go. But go ahead. Like, but he, my point for that is because I'm going to go into that in just a second. So I feel like which this will go into my argument so gray worm he really was getting to a point yeah he was fighting to fight he was fighting for his queen but in the end he always kind of had that goal of i just want to be with my sunday mm-hmm. like i eventually i want to leave this behind at some point right yeah so my point for that is 
going into where she was like, I want to take over Winterfell, the Jade Seeds, the Iron Islands, all this. Well, she had the Iron Islands, but you yeah, know, yeah, all these no, places she yes, said. Yep. She wouldn't have gone that far, I don't think, because okay. I feel like Grey Worm would have been like, you know, I said I'd stay with you till you became queen. Now we want to well, ride off in the sunset. He said that she would stay with her until all her enemies were defeated. That's what he said in the long night. His actual okay. words were until all her enemies are defeated. So if she just kept making up new enemies, he's he's basically along for the ride. See, if that's when I think it goes into Miss Sunday, though. I don't think she would have put up with that shit. Plus, I don't think it would have gotten that far. And here's why. Okay. Because when she lost Miss Sunday, she basically had lost everyone tied to her from the beginning at that point. Yeah. And Miss Sunday was the one, you know, she would always emotionally interact with. Remember, they even had that conversation of, <laughs> do the stones still work? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Like someone emotionally connected. Like she had like like girls have a girl best friend. That was like her her right. best friend. That was a girl. So dude, I, to your point there too. Now I just think about it. One thing I didn't even add to the buildup of the stuff that Daenerys went through, because I think the reason I didn't do it is because it, it was different in the books. Mm-hmm. Dorea died in the Red Waste in the books. But mm-hmm. Remember, Dorea and Karth betrayed her, and killed mm-hmm. all of that's the, right, her, and killed her other handmaiden. Yeah, killed yeah. Eerie, other handmaiden, and all the other Dothraki in Karth that she had. Yeah. So like that's another one too. So like I was thinking like other girl best friends that she had when you said that. Yeah, that's Sunday. right. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Eerie mm-hmm. and, and Dorea were her two other girl best girls, and like Eerie got killed. Dorea was getting her sleep on. Yeah, getting with Zoro Zon Duxus. She was over here. Drogon had to go save her ass again yeah. with the other two. So yeah, uh, no, you're right. Yeah, so she didn't Rhaegal have any friends series. that were female outside of Sunday. And here's a, here's the other point I was gonna make is. Like, I just feel like if she had Sansa's support from the beginning and Tyrion didn't make mistakes, they would have talked her to a point where this isn't right. Like, I think she wouldn't have... Here's the thing. She would have killed Cersei and taken Cersei out. Now, I don't believe she would have just sat there and probably waited (laughs) when she had destroyed the damn thing street by street to the point there was nothing left and Asha was coming through the fucking ceiling because there was no roof there? No, because there was nothing left. Tyrion would have at least been able to talk to the point, this has been working so far. You do it my way, we'll be completely fine. And then I think he would have said, you know, you have King's Landing, so now you're already in control of the Seven Kingdoms. And Masunday would have, you know, been like, you know, we're leaving Tanoth off in the sunset here you know i think it would have just been to that point of at least she had the other councils around her to where she could negotiate to a point like she wouldn't have been here's another reason why and this backs my point in season five it hurt her so bad when that civilian in the town approached with his daughter that was completely burned and it was a child if she had kept everyone she loved from the point of Viserion dying okay so we'll even say Jorah dies which is very sad but it's the long night if she had kept everyone else and Sansa's support in the north and they actually got along and she had that friendship with the girls I don't see her making those decisions because she even came down to the last point of negotiating with Cersei isn't going to do anything, but I want to know, want everyone to know it's her fault when the sky falls down upon them. If what if Cersei just surrendered right there? 
you cannot say she would have taken the city because Cersei, like they would have taken Cersei captured right there. I mean, Sunday, there's no way she would have taken Drogon, which actually this brings up another point I want to talk about too, which backs your point because I think we both agree, you know, when Sunday was saying Dracarys, it was because she was calling out to Drogon to save her. It can be taken that she was saying Dracarys to burn down the city. I don't think Masunde would do that because Masunde is not that kind of person. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I don't think that was. I don't think anyone ever questioned that. Because like, that just go, that's what got, I'm like, kind of yeah, saying. You know? know, I mean, they weren't even ready for battle. Like they only had like like a certain amount of retinue people there. Like it was like it was a parlay. It wasn't. They weren't lined up with all of their army ready to go to war. Right. They were having like a a meeting, like a like a like trying to make a, a pact, basically. Like even though who so, really won that. War. Yeah, right. <laughs> you could take so, all the soldiers out. I think it still goes the same damn way. So, like, yeah, I don't think like obviously if Masani did that, like they're not ready for war. They're just there to negotiate yeah. terms. But, but what if mm, they negotiated? What if it came to the point Cersei in season seven, when really that wasn't what she was fucking doing, when she said, "I want everyone to know I chose to help." And what if she just let Masani go? Now, not necessarily surrendered, maybe, but she let Masani go. I think at that point of the bells, maybe she does take King's Landing with fire. I still agree with that. But when the bells are ringing, you know, when you hear the bells, you know, call off your attack, like Tyrion told John. I think, because she at least even pauses then. It's when she sees the tower and Cersei's still standing, her crying, depressed, emotion angry face instant turns into hate anger and i'm out on a mission here if cersei's not there i feel like that doesn't trigger i mean you're really asking a lot from sansa and cersei though i don't think there's any any conceivable way that sansa's like all right cool no worries daenerys we'll we'll allow you to rule us like that was not at all what sansa from the very beginning when they named john king in the north was straight up like we're the north we rule ourselves that's that like there was no way that yeah you know so i don't i don't see sansa being the way like yeah we support you remember like, our last episode she couldn't even support her own fucking family yeah dude, that's <laughs> what i'm saying like she had it in her mind what she was going to do so in my mind there's no way that she was going to get the support from sansa ever and if you think she was gonna, like, <laughs> sansa, if you think that's sansa's a bitch <laughs> if you think that's far-fetched then you start telling me if cersei surrendered Dude, that was never gonna happen either. So you're talking about like two like factors that like, I you could think of a million other things that would happen before those two things happen. Or what if even if like, John, what if John said he wouldn't tell them? Do you think it would have changed things? I think that might have changed stuff, but then it really like I mean it was already pointless that John was Aegon Targaryen, but yeah. that would have made it even more pointless. And it also <laughs> like, goes to joke. John would like, have always told them because it goes back to season seven where he's like, "Words are just words." Yeah, and she's not true to his nature. Yeah, dude. Tyrion said, "Have you ever considered how to lie? <laughs> just a bit." <laughs> yeah, words are just words. Well, the bigger problem is we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that plays out that way. So. I don't know. Like I said, what I think could have happened, I really think that if Jorah didn't die, he could have spoke to her in a way that resonated since he was there from actual day one, pretty much. I mean, he had that time that he was banished for a while. But anyways, I don't think we need to beat that that horse to death. I think it was pretty well prophesied that she was going to 
flip the switch and become the Mad Queen. Well, my question, I, I agree. I don't think it would ever change. Like, uh, trust me, I agree. This is what should have happened, even though I didn't want it to. By all means, she's my favorite. Besides Dario and Oberon, <laughs> it would go <laughs> Daenerys Targaryen, Khaleesi of the Great Gassy, Stormborn, Breaker of Chains, the Unburnt, Unbroken, Unbent. I can name all the titles. Then you have Queen of the Andals. Queen of the and Andals the and the First Men. Oh, I forgot one. Good call. That's why. That's why I got my boy next to me. Malice in the Chalice, baby. That's Dude. malice worthy. <laughs> Anyways, and then it would go Oberon Martell and then Dario Naharis. I have three characters that, and of course. Two of the three fucking died. Yeah. <laughs> fucking crass. Yeah. Almost like you, man. I'm becoming you. Or the the you just have a bunch the of other best friends series. over here just dragging our ass. <laughs> we keep getting fucked over. Yeah, <laughs> but for me, it's been every single fantasy series ever. Yeah, like, like damn. I and then Dario, I, he probably dead. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> probably dead. Who no knows, one knows man. what happened to that guy. <clears throat> But no, like I like I said, I just don't think that there. Like you, I, the big question you asked is, at what point do you think that decision in her head could have been switched or changed if someone didn't die or pass away? And I think, like I said, if it's like, possible, I, I, I think it was Jorah that could have talked her down. Okay, and, you, and I, I can see it. Miss, miss, yeah, yeah. I also can see Missande being like the final straw that broke the camel's back because I saw her eyes snap there. Missande was never captured. You have a small chance, but man. Ooh, you brought up a good point. And this is not going to Danny's thing. This goes into Jorah. Yeah. So this is why I want to say it real quick. But it goes into Danny too. <laughs> so if they stuck to the plan and John and Danny, like Sir Davos, and he was like, I don't want the dragons out in the field. What if they didn't go out in the field and they protected Bran the whole time and stuck to the plan? Do you think Jorah still dies? Or do you think... Pro- I think he probably still dies because they were basically Bro, fucked. Like, exactly. Like, if you don't have the dragons in the field, they'd just get overrun. Yeah. Seriously. Because think about it. Like, the dragon fire <laughs> is what really kind of quelled yeah. the couple first lines of the Army of the Dead. Like, if you just let them say, all right, Unsullied and Dothraki, do your best. We're going to sit back here. Oh, that man. place gets ransacked within the hour. Oh, man. This is <laughs> why I love the summer because there's so many problems yeah. I had with the season. I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up. You know <laughs> so what time many it is? problems. It's time for plot holes, unanswered, and unexplained occurrences. So, Dig dirty. What I think we need to do, we need to take one nice little swiggy of our sippy sip and jump into... Fuck them till they're dead. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know who's dying right now. but You know what, you know what season that was from. Was that season three? My little skull out. Yeah, I think was, that was what season was it? Two. I always call the guy Carl. It was that guy in Craster's his, his name is Carl. Oh, I did get it right. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like assuming I got it wrong already. Because yeah. no. I had so many names wrong. No, his season. name is Carl. He was drinking a G.R. Mormont's skull. What's that? What's that, Lord Commander? Fuck them till they're dead. <laughs> Fuck them till they're dead. That is right. sick. Sick bastard. Okay. So let's start talking about some of these plot holes and unanswered and unexplained occurrences, man. Oh, right, here we go. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to bring up, where the fuck was Howlin' Reed? <laughs> yeah, you Bro, got a good point. Ned's friend that saved Ned's life when they fought Arthur Dane at the Tower of Joy like he never saw him no we did the thing is the thing is like here's the thing you wouldn't know it he was at the very last one last week like in the big group the big uh, area where all the head of houses 
Were, he was yes, there. Yes, he was sitting there. He, <laughs> yeah, he had zero right. lines. He said no <laughs> lines, but he was sitting there. And the reason I know that is because if you have HBO Go on Amazon Prime and you have that app on your Xbox or however you watch it, if you press the up button, you can see the <laughs> actors and what they're credited for and who they were supposed to be. That's and that's right. the only reason I know that that was Howlin' Reed. But, I bro... Think- Cause I didn't even I didn't even focus on him yeah, because I barely noticed him. I just focused on Tyrion and how how the fuck he wound up keeping his same position. Nothing and happened. Just just dictated what was going to happen from Westeros <laughs> on out. Determined it himself. But maybe Tyrion's really the conqueror. Here's the biggest thing, man. Like House Reed became rulers of the Neck after King Rickard Stark killed the last Marsh King, and they have been fiercely loyal vassals of the Stark since then. So if they're so fiercely loyal, and Howland was so close to Ned, how did they not come to Ned's children's aid at either the Battle of the Bastards to take back Winterfell for the Starks, or the Long Night? Remember how Sansa called all the Northern Houses. They're the southernmost of the Northern Houses. They're the Lords of Greywater Watch. So they, they've always had this weird out, like outstanding rivalry with the phrase. So they're the southernmost Northern House, but they never made an appearance. Like, like, really? I mean, Amira Reed and Jojen Reed to, to fucking be Bran's taxi service. Well, Bran was a dick. Right. So, Thank you. <laughs> like, their alliance really could have been a big yeah. addition. And, dude, not only that, and, like, I don't want to steal my own thunder from later on when, when we do a rewrite, but, like, there's some big secret that Howland knows that he could have backed up a story from because he happened to be at the Tower of Joy. He happened to be there. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, where was he? I, I'm asking you. Where the fuck was this guy during this whole series? I completely forgot about. Him. The only reason I even remembered him when you said that was because of the vision of Bran. When they fought the sword of the morning. I didn't even remember he was in last week because he says no lines. Right. Well, we didn't even talk about it last week. Like, he sits there. Like, he just sits there. Like no what's, words. What's so fucking great about that? Like, why even have him in it? Obviously, he agreed to do it. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, man. I Dude. think. I don't they just know. fucking That's dropped the ball. Fucking, it's because. So, they, guys, we want to ask you: What do you think? Why wasn't he in there? And are we making a valid point that he should have been? Because that could have changed a lot of things. Like, there's two times where he could have helped save his best friends, kids. Like the Battle of Bastards, to fight mm-hmm. back against the Boltons, never showed up. And then for the long night when she called all the Northern Houses back, never showed up. Okay, Mister Howland, you must be very fiercely loyal, Dick. <laughs> so, anyway, second thing that I have written down here. Why did we never hear from or see Quaith again after Danny left Karth? Yeah. She, she gives prophecies in the books, doesn't give prophecies in the TV series, basically just tells Jorah where to find Danny. But, like, they make it a big point. There's two huge prophecies that she gives in the books, and I wrote the quotes down. So, in the books, Quaith tells Danny to go north you must journey south to reach west you must go east to go forward you must go back and to touch the light you must pass beneath the shadow that's the first prophecy second soon comes the pale mare and after her the others kraken and dark flame lion and griffin the sun's son and the mummer's dragon trust none of them Remember the undying, beware the perfumed sensual. Why did that show up in the series? <laughs> just threw it in there. We don't hear anything about she the murmurs d- either. Dude, nothing. Like, this straight just throwing up. that in there. 
that she had such a like a, 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 these big prophecies in the books and she seemed like she was a very strange character that was in the shadows but knew much more than she let on you know and she just never came up again never was brought up in this series even in passing i'm actually glad you brought that up because that goes into part of my rewrite surprise okay <laughs> um which Should is you leave it talk. as a surprise or no? I'll leave part of it as a okay. surprise because it goes into a little bit of last week. Remember when we talked about Drogon when he, he kind of flew off with Danny? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think they completely dropped the ball on this shit. Like, I mean, it doesn't even make sense because you have Benningoff and Wise that have been writing the scripts the entire time. It's not like you got new script writers. <laughs> so it, it's it's like you set up an entire plot point like something that was a it was fuck it was the last jedi you set up an entire plot point and then you don't even acknowledge it later i like basically karth to them Koth. how do you say it? karth Karth, Karth, Karth. I, I don't, Karth. I don't yeah. know, man. That's tough. Karth. <laughs> Karth to me was basically Danny got for the show perspective, yeah. not the book. Um, Karth to me for the show perspective was Danny got kidnapped, wanted to prove Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal could uh, Viserion, right? Yeah, not Viserys. <laughs> Viserion and Rhaegal could burn down some motherfucker, and then that motherfucker. Happened to be fucking her friend. <laughs> That's exactly whoa, whoa, what Karth was. Whoa, whoa. I think we messed up there because well, he, the other he, guy he, he like burned down the charlatan with the blue lips. That's who the, the fire. She said Jakaris, and they burned the chair, the chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't burn the guy who. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. So they, they burned the chains. They, they That's burned the mean, chains yeah. and burned, burned the, the charlatan. Gotcha. Like the charlatan. Now Zoro Zoanduxus, which was like the guy who had the that vault. who was sleeping the, with her. Yes, yeah. exactly. What I meant by that was she escapes with the dragons because the dragons. Uh, like aided her yes is okay. what i meant by that but that's my point is there was a bigger there was a bigger point to all this but instead they just made it almost like some mission impossible climax where the person escapes and then the next big climax would come next season so it's like where next season would be astapor and you had all that other stuff going down yeah, I think they completely dropped the ball on this. Take a shot. Take a shot for two, actually, because I said it right before then as well. Um, but in the books, I'm really hoping something gets made of this, which in the books, they've done a really yeah, good job of prophecies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, which makes no sense either, because you would have thought George R. R. Martin would have stepped in and said something at some point, because he was a producer of the show. Yeah. Like, he didn't write the scripts, but they still consulted him on things. I mean, I guess he felt like he probably didn't want to overstep his bounds. But, like, it's your shit. It's like, you know, J.K. Rowling, actually, you know, a lot of people don't know, Disney was offered uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter to be built there. And they started building it where Animal Kingdom is, where Avatar is today in Animal Kingdom. And she didn't like it and stepped in and said, no, I want you to do it my way. Disney didn't do it that way, so they changed it. And then Universal bought it and it got made over there. So my point being, you would have thought George would have stepped in at some point. Like, this is a huge problem. The thing is, it's like... Like, no prophecy Disney, was ever Disney fulfilled. never owned the rights to Harry Potter. So I don't know where that came from. No. Um, Disney... 
bid Un- for it to build the universal, you know, the Wizarding World, like the okay. castle and stuff. Okay. And she didn't like the way the rides were being built and stuff because it was her world. Okay. So what I'm saying by that is she took, she stepped in and revoked it from them. You would have thought George would have stepped into the writers and said, you need to put this in there because this is wrong. Yeah, I don't know. So this this Quay thing, like... Cause you said, just, I don't really know what Disney has. It does because it's showing someone sticking up for their shit. But the thing is, is that we don't know what her final um, significance is in the books yet either because the books haven't been written. So it's like, like they basically, if they did add her... They'd have to come to some conclusion or resolution about her, which nobody knows because she's still, you know, alive in the books, and only part of her prophecies have been fulfilled. So it's yeah. like, so I don't I'm know. coming to assumptions here because the books have been fantastic. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, and honestly, what I what I was to, to the answer to what you were saying there is like, why didn't George step in? Well, guess what? That makes him look even better, and more people likely to buy his books to figure out, hey, what are the answers to the questions that we okay. have. Right, you know. So now instead of just being like, okay, well, we know what's gonna happen. Why buy your books? We, what we saw it before they came out. Well, now we got like, well, what the fuck's going on with all these things? And George is like, <laughs> yeah. ha ha ha. That's why I didn't give all my tricks away. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, that's that's another question I have is about Quaithe. The other one too is what happened to Miriam Mazdur's prophecy? You know, when when Cal Drogo got in that weird trance state. You know, Danny goes, when will he be as he was? And Miriam Mazdur says. When the sun rises in the west and sets in the east, when the seas go dry and the mountains blow in the wind like leaves. So that's the end of the prophecy in the show. In the books, there's one other line that says, when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child, then he will return and not before. So that last line there is only in the books that's not in the series. But so they made this point to say this crazy, all these crazy things, basically, I think the impression it was meant to leave on the viewers is like, it's never going to happen. Cal Drogo is never going to be as it was. But if you're a deep fantasy fan, all these words, you're waiting to see like how they can be drawn, how you can fulfill this prophecy. Because I think we all see it as a prophecy, not just her saying, oh, it ain't never going to happen. Sorry, you lost him. So this is what I wrote, bro, as my most logical mm-hmm. uh, response to like the prophecy. They never brought this up. But this is what I think the most logical response was. John, the son of Rhaegar and Lyanna, rises in the west as Danny's time as the heir sets in the east. Because remember, she's in Essos and John is in Westeros. So he's the sun rising in the west while she's setting as heir in the east. Now, when it says the seas go dry, that could mean the Dothraki Sea. And if you guys remember, I don't remember what season it was, the Dothraki Sea, which is the big great grass sea, was all dried up and withered and dead. Mm-hmm. So that could mean what that meant by the seas go dry. And then the mountains blow in the wind like leaves could mean when the wall was destroyed by the Night King and Viserion as the ice dragon, right? So those could have been like, you know, the all the prophecies being fulfilled. The sun rising in the west and setting in the east, seas going dry, mountains blowing in the wind like leaves. Now, he never came back and returned unless this was meant to foreshadow her death where she sees him again in the afterlife. Meaning that's when he'll return to you 
is when all these things happen right. because yeah. then you die and then you you can you will see him in the afterlife which i could i could see that so maybe that's like that's my most logical like if i'm thinking about it i guess that's what they went with but they never answered it again and then we never saw because one thing i told you about a couple weeks ago it wasn't even something that we talked about on on the show uh, all of the main characters throughout the entire series of game of thrones came to Game of Thrones for the last uh, episode, mm-hmm. they were all there as actors. They didn't. They obviously didn't all partake in it, but they were all there, like during season eight. So we were all wondering, okay, like what cameos are we gonna get? We're we gonna right. get cameos. Mm-hmm. Like what's gonna happen? Then just nothing happened. They just happened to be there enjoying, I guess, a sneak preview of what was gonna happen. <laughs> like okay, fucking cool. Like which so, who wants to watch it without the effects? Like, like you're just sitting there. Like you don't even really know what goes on because we were talking about today. You know, in film, they don't film things in order, right. so they didn't even really know. And I don't even know if they were watching. Like I'm, not, I'm talking about like a like a like a sneak peek. Like like maybe they got to you know how um, certain like The Rock and Kevin Hart will hold like private screenings. Like you can buy tennis before it releases in theaters. So right. Maybe yeah. Before released on yeah. there, like hey, you guys were all part of this, so you get to see it before anyone else gets to see it or something. Maybe that's it. But at the end of the day, it got us all excited about bringing these people all back to the set of Game of Thrones, and we're like, dude, are we gonna get some cool cameos? Are we gonna finally see that prof- prophecy being fulfilled with like? She see Khal Drogo again and her son. Like nothing. Not even when she dies, does she? Fa- I don't want to take thunder for myself. Never mind. I'm gonna c- you brought cut that it. off. <laughs> but- brought- it's very funny you brought that up because I thought of the same thing and I didn't put it in my rewrite, but I um, thought about it for a very long time as if Danny had uh, another child and died at childbirth, and I I didn't put it in there because I, I there's another way in my opinion that fulfills different things um but that's very interesting uh because my point is i was thinking the exact same thing because the only way i could see that prophecy working is if she was dying yeah it might have been like them, yeah. like prophesizing her death right i don't know so that's like my most logical and maybe they just completely missed it maybe they fucked us over again who knows you know we're not gonna ever get an answer to it so guys if you have an idea on it please let us know share it somewhere email dm comment on stuff whatever you want love to get your take on it now this is one of my favorite ones because this is so detailed what was Jack and Hagar's interest in Arya? Ooh, big dirty. Was it coincidental? Because, guys, keep in mind, think about this. Remember when Yorin, that guy from the Night's Watch, came down to ask Ned Stark, the Hand of the King, for some uh, uh, men to bring back to the Night's Watch because they were getting low on men. He was able to give him as what he could, but we don't even see who he gives him. The reason I'm saying this is because he was in the Black Cells at the same time Ned Stark was in the Black Cells. Because remember what happened. After Robert Baratheon died, Ned tried to, to uh, use that note that Robert gave him right. as his shield, and then Littlefinger betrayed him, and then he was like sent down to the Black Cells. So, was it coincidental that Jack and Hagar took an interest in Arya, or <clears throat> did Ned Stark and Jack and Hagar have any sort of interaction in the Black Cells? How sick would that have been? And that, so did he have eyes on Arya all along? And also, think about this. Does Jack and Agar strike you as the guy who would allow himself to be captured? Or do you think he allowed himself to be captured on purpose to meet her? That was very fishy. Because think about that, too. He basically tracked Arya's ass everywhere they even went. Because he was even there. Wasn't it Hall 
They went yes. to Heron Hall after he released when he got, the, got set out on fire, and she gave him yeah. like, the stick to release him. And then yeah. she wound up getting the coin later yes. on. Like he basically tracked her ass the entire time. I wonder. Here's a question. <laughs> Are you gonna get real dirty on this? Uh, oh man! Already? I'm summoning the great Let's debate go. card. Let's go, oh, baby, dude! From the depths of hell, uh, oh, your man. power level's over nine thousand now, bro. Motherfucker! Can I take a guess at what you're gonna ask? Go for it. Are you gonna ask me if Ned Stark was a face like like he was a faceless man of Ned Stark? Like he took his place? Uh, it's funny. You can always read my mind. So I was gonna ask you two things. I was gonna ask you that. And if you think Arya was ever on the list at some point. Oh my goodness, dude. Think of that. Was Ned ever a faceless man and was Arya ever on the list and it changed uh, Jacken's mind? Dude, I don't know. Because he tracked her the whole time. Think of Lady Crane, too. Because that was on the list and it changed Arya's mind. What if it changed Jacken's mind? And the reason he got there was because Ned was a faceless man. I don't know if Ned, like, the, the, when I say, like, the Ned being the faceless man, this is what I think. Like, maybe, kind of like in the books, how they did that weird Mance Raider switch. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Ned was never killed. Maybe Ned is now, like, Jack Nagar, right? That yeah. would have been really weird. But obviously, like, you know, because that's, he kind of looks out for her as he goes. But I don't think that's true. I, that's just, that's way out there, guys. Like, don't, don't believe that's my, my theory on it. It's just something interesting to think about. Now, when you talk about if Arya being on a list, here's my problem is that, excuse me, Jack and Nagar does not strike me as the kind of guy that would allow himself to be captured. He could have, you know, avoided capture by turning into one of the million faces he needed to to not be, you know, caught at the scene of the crime. Whatever he, whatever he did to get caught, he could have, like, made himself look like the person that didn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. So... It's like if he wanted, if he was after Arya and like was like Arya was someone that he was going to kill, he didn't need to be trapped in the black cells to carry that out. Which think of this though, okay, right? Because this is going to be really creepy. So in the books, remember how he's described with he has the skull face. Well, that's the thing is like we we don't know like I don't even think Jack Nagar is that guy. I think Jack Nagar is not like. The face of death that she meets at the House of Black and White. I don't think that's Jack and Agar. You don't think it's Jack? No, I think okay. it's. I think they're two separate people. Like the person she meets in the book is a faceless man as Jack and Agar. Like, Jack and Agar exists, right. but that's not the person she meets at the House of Black and White. So, do you think we'll ever see that person later? Jack and Agar in the books? No, oh, death. death. Uh, remember, sorry, she's even said. Because remember, she ate the worm from his like no to prove that she wasn't right. scared like that gross nonsense. And and think of this so, though, uh-huh. this, guys. This is by the books, by the way. You're wondering where we're talking about. You're not going to find this in this the show. This is by the books, which yeah. I might. I'm going to relate something to the show though, which which makes it very interesting mm-hmm. theory. Remember when she approaches Gendry in season Gendry? You know, I always say Gendry. Fucking Gendry. Uh, get your ginger on. <laughs> Drink some ginger with that bitch. <laughs> Anyways, Gendry, right? Uh, she says, I know death. It has many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. So, how do you know Jacken wasn't death? He has I many don't. faces. I, I have no idea. Like, that's why I'm saying, like, the thing is, like, the faceless men are a guild. There's a bunch of faceless men. And so, like, just because, you know, that's another thing, too. Jack Nagar being caught, maybe he's not even the greatest faceless man in the books, how it's supposed to be portrayed in the mm-hmm. books. 
because like I said, like she doesn't he doesn't appear to her as the person she saw at Harrenhal. And here's what I was gonna say, and this is what sounds really creepy. Okay. Who was it the guy that Jackin Jackin killed a guy in Harrenhal? He killed two guys in Harrenhal. He killed um well in the book see in the books it's different uh than the show. But if we're talking about the show, he killed the the uh, the tickler, the person who put the rat on people's chest mm-hmm. to get information about the brother without the banners, one, and then he killed the guy who had the note that was like Arya had that note. The note, and then that's she, like, what hit I him in the, in like the neck with a dart. There, I wonder, and this is some Final Destination shit. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Jacken killed that guy because he knew that guy was going to kill Arya. Right, like 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 Arya would have been like. Uh, Kill. Like that's the thing too. But, but here's the thing. But the thing, the the way we fight that or debate that, right, is Jacken would never have been able to repay the three deaths that were owed if Arya was dead. And who knows if there's a consequence for that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. But my so the reason I can debate it is because the faceless men only go by contracts. Well, who they're bound even, to. That's not even necessarily true because they get paid to do so. They they get paid to. Get to kill people. I guess. I guess maybe he was paid. You never know. But, but that's but some final is, destination. Shit. The thing is with this is that if Arya, if Arya was killed or like captured, they found out who Arya was, and Tywin found out who Arya was, and you know took her to King's Landing or wherever it was going to be. Jacken would never have been able to fulfill his promise of the three deaths that the Red God was owed, because you know, like, you know, she saved him and two the other two people, Rorge and Biter. Like, like, so Jacken, Rorge, and Biter were saved in that cart when it was on fire. Now she killed the tickler. That's one, right? And then she named the guy who took the note from her and was about to show Tywin. So if he shows Tywin and she can read and Tywin finds out who Arya Stark is, likely Arya doesn't survive or she gets taken prisoner or whatever, and he never has the chance to fulfill those those other kills. And who knows that in the guild if, like, the name's on the list, that you know, if the Red Guards owed a name... And doesn't get it if there's a punishment for it. So here's a question. Do you think the faceless men are just referred to as death? Like, what if all of them together, they're just like, I knew death. It has many faces because there's all those members and they're assigned the contracts. Maybe she is just referring to the guild. I've got no idea. That's interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, the the whole faceless men itself was never fully explained because... Like he said, like 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 when the Red God is has a name, like the he needs that name. But the thing is, is like they are also they made it a point in the books to talk about. I remember when Peter Baelish was talking about how they were going to kill Daenerys back in the first book, A Game of Thrones, and they said like the faceless men were wildly expensive to take care of what would be the equivalent of killing a child. So they didn't want to go that route. Like they went the other ways, right? So a thousand blades of Aegon's <laughs> enemies. Like so, if you basically you can either be on a list from the the leader of the faceless men like gives you like a list all right these people need to die but like they are they ones that are are just chosen at random or are they ones that people have paid to kill or are they both that we just don't know it just never was ever really brought up (laughs) yeah i wish we knew more 
But my biggest thing, and when I brought that up, is like, did Ned Stark and Jack Nagar have any sort of interaction together in the Black Cells? And is that why he took an interest in Arya to begin with? Because he could have talked to anybody and asked anyone to try to free him. But he, he seemed to know like who Arya was from the start. So there's that's the first part of my question. Do you think Ned was a member of the Faceless Men? And we no, never he just seems too honorable. and like I don't think he's ever traveled to Essos. He wouldn't be like, skilled enough. Like, he was one of the good old boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. He's not devious. Problem. He's not like you tricksy. Yeah. So I don't think he was ever one himself. Tricksy on us. <laughs> that like, was from Lord of the Rings, by what, the way. <laughs> uh, what could have happened, and this is again, this is a big stretch. I don't. This is not my theory, guys. But you know, the faceless man, Jacken, who was in the black cells, what he could have done, he could have like basically switched spots with Ned and like basically looked like Ned himself when Ned got executed, and Ned be Jacken Nagar. So I guess that, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of that would make sense in that sort of light. But again, that's a huge stretch. That's a real big stretch that we're showing there. So I don't know. My biggest thing is that they his time in the Black Cells, when Ned was also in the Black Cells, was never explained. They got brought over to, they were supposed to be being brought to the Night's Watch to serve as members of the Night's Watch. Then the Gold Cloaks came to find Gendry. And then that's when every, all hell broke loose and, you know, yeah, all I think happened, that's so. I think that second part's well, the first part technically is bringing too much into it because I think Ned's whole character arc yeah. point was to get attention that the Lannisters don't fuck around is what the whole it's idea like, kind of was. It was like slimy slime balls. Yeah. So that was my that was another one. And now here's a good one, guys. And we always ask this. Cool. I guess now that uh, off to the Shadow Realm. Shadow Realm card, with the great man. debate, right? <laughs> yeah. Who was the Night King? I have a lot of theories on that. <laughs> yeah. That brings up another thirty minutes. <laughs> Jeez, like that's the thing. Is like this was never explained. We never yeah. ever got an explanation about who the Night King was. And not only the Night King, there's there's two other things that really go in to the issue with the Army of the Dead. Number one is the Night King himself. Who the heck was he? Number two, the babies that were taken from Craster's Keep, which I'll talk more about next. Number three, the damn White Walker signs that were like reoccurring throughout the entire show never was brought up under what the hell they were or what they meant. So those are really big things, man, but who do you think the Night King was? So I said this a little bit in the Long Night episode. So here's what I think. Going to, uh, we got a, a lot of surprise for next week, kind of piggybacking off some of that information because that doesn't explain it either but i think the night king was valyrian here's why because even go through the targaryen lineage you actually had very few but you did you had some descendants of valyria that were still there valyria they were just like the Targaryens. The biggest thing with Aegon the Conqueror was he was one of the few to make it out and actually escaped with his two sisters to Dragonstone from when you had the Cataclysm with the 14 volcanoes. So it was kind of like Pompeii. But the Valyrians 
were known to withstand fire. And actually, a lot of them had claimed to hatch the dragon eggs out of the volcanoes. And that's part of the thing, too. And that's one thing we bring up is that, number one, the Night King's obviously invincible to fire. Fire can't affect him because mm-hmm. Danny blew on Drogon, Dracarys, and engulfed him in flames, and he just stood there and like looked at him. So he's obviously impervious to fire, right? Right. Now, also, Danny is impervious to fire, too, and she's a Targaryen. Because remember, she burned down the whole mm-hmm. Dothraki, like, like the temple of the Khalasar Vesven exactly. thing? right. So... She like and she burned herself in the beginning to get the dragon, so she she's impervious to fire. So certain Targaryens are impervious to fire and certain Valyrians are as well. So And my issue with the Targaryens, because I was thinking Targaryens too at first. The problem is for what they said in the show The timelines. The timeline and when he was changed by the children of the forest, it wouldn't make sense. So you have to assume if he can withstand fire. He's Valyrian. Otherwise, well, the thing is, Targaryens are Valyrian, though. They are Valyrian. Like the, they're a descendant of, like, the, she's on the blood of old Valyria. I remember da- Daenerys says that. Right. They're so, like, descendants of, of Valyrian. Yeah. But my point, I mean, a Targaryen because of Aegon, they basically made their own house, is what happened. So I'm just saying, yeah, so he would be a descendant of a Targaryen, an ancestor, ancestor sorry, not yeah. a descendant, and an ancestor of that mm-hmm. would be a Valyrian, which kind of goes into a big question we had on the show. You were talking about the magic we were talking oh, about we'll earlier talk about today. That, yeah, we'll take about, talk about that in a little bit, but yeah. But that's my point, and I think with the cat's paw dagger, which would be really cool, like we were saying on The Long Night. It almost would be like that whole Lord of the Rings thing, like you just you return the ring to Mordor. However, like there were a lot of theories on this. Like he was one of the members of the Night's Watch. Well, that's not true. That whole theory just came from his armor almost looked like crow armor. It looked more like samurai armor to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just every single thing and also i have like big questions on like what was his connection to bran like how was he able to burn bran when he touched him he couldn't touch anyone else or like the babies like you said i've heard theories i watched the guy on youtube that was saying like the babies were because they were making sacrifices to make sure they didn't come towards the wall that shit was never in the book so i don't know where you pulled that shit from whether that was from like your ass <laughs> or which end that came out of. I don't know, man. I, I have a lot of theories on this, but that's the only it's one I can come up with. Something that was not answered in the show that absolutely should have been. This is something like it's like wondering like who the hell Lord Voldemort was. Like we know who he was. He was Tom Riddle because yeah, it was explained exactly. and how he turned the way that he was. <laughs> like, can we get an explanation about the Night King, please? Thank you. Like golly, man. So I, I'm I'm on the same page as you. Like I, I think it it's like a Valyrian, but a Valyrian that is a specific ancestor of the Targaryens, not just any old Valyrian. Like someone that the line of the Targaryens came from originally. That's my thought on it. Now, now, what do you think of like how he turned everybody and all that shit? Like, here's the thing too, though, is this had to happen. Here's my reason on why it was also valyrian was this had to happen super early on it never gives an exact year but the long night 
was way before Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah, it was about a thousand years ago. Aegon was about three hundred years ago. So there's six hundred years difference between Aegon's conquest and um, yeah, the children so, of the forest and the first men and all of that. Like, where did this fucker come from? They just pulled him that's, out that's of the village saying, and like, he was attached to the tree. Well, you know, maybe you know, the, the Valyrians remind me a lot of how in most fantasy, the the majority of fantasy genres they have elves who are just more fair uh-huh. and more like agile and just are just. Overall, just stronger and better than and humans. This fucker wasn't even so, Valyrian looking. So that's why I think like, <laughs> like, that's you another thing saying, too. Right? You're right. The person that they portrayed in the show wasn't blonde hair and nothing like that. <laughs> like a ginger with a beard. Like, like seriously, <laughs> that was it, no, it's a good point. Like, so I just don't know. But like, the only thing that makes sense to me is that he was Valyrian, but a specific Valyrian that happened to be an ancestor of the Targaryen bloodline. So that makes that's that, that that's what I'm going with. That's the I only gotta, thing I can think of. Gotta give you a hundred percent agreement on that because I can't think of. I've looked at this guy's for months from every different perspective, and just so you guys know, the reason you know the children of the first men were making the White Walkers was because the first men were actually destroying the werewood trees yeah um, and, and the children of the forest They're and the children of the, the forest, forest. So yeah so it's basically made him as it, an enemy to like i don't i don't get it like it's like i feel i mean i heard an interview with benninghoff where he described that he saw the night king just as death right just as this thing that wants everything dead okay so is he the god of death that was prophesized? But that wouldn't even make sense because that means he would always be there except for you do have the See, prince who has promised. My my argument, like my thought process is he's the antagonist of what Azor Ahai would be. So Azor Ahai is not the lord of light. So the Night King would be the equivalent of not the god of death, but like the the Good evil guy evil. that the, right. the evil guy that was promised like Azor right. High is a yeah. prince that was promised and Night King's the evil guy yeah. that was promised I don't know man because like, he's obviously not a god like, he's got killed by like an 8 year old girl so like I mean I don't, <laughs> she's a pretty fucking I, I know. I just, I, girl I just, I, she's I got, older than 8 I, if she I was know. 8 you know I, speaking in tongues I'm just be. talking nonsense <laughs> I'm just saying like like there's no way that that was like remember, the god is my long and short of Arya got her fuck on remember that yeah well that was <laughs> right before the long night for the yeah. first time get my but, fuck on yeah so, remember that one guys remember that quote bring it I back I guess that the Night King thing is just something that we have to you know draw our own conclusion from so if you guys have anything different anything you guys want to bring up let us know man now the point I want to talk about is Craster's babies because what was the point of Craster's baby boys <laughs> with the Night King <laughs> being taken by the Night King because my, my question is could they still be around since he didn't raise them for the dead. Think about all the people at Hardhome where he went like this and all the dead were risen, right? Those were people who are no longer human. They died. He brought them back to life. The babies, all he did was just put his finger on the baby's head and its eyes turned blue. So is the baby or are the babies still technically living, right? But they're just evil now. They're just bad. Because if not, what's the point of having dead babies that can never grow into anything since they'd stay the form they quote-unquote died in? Because like if it's a baby, what what profit do you get from having a dead baby? It's not going to attack nothing. It can't crawl. It can't do anything. It's an infant. <laughs> like, yeah, so that's... what's the point? So my point is like 
Are they even still living, but they're just evil now because he put his mark on them and turned their eyes blue. Now can they grow in to it? So I guess that would be a cool way to segue into the next. That would be cool. Like sequel yeah. of Game of Thrones is like, oh, like the army of the dead aren't really dead, right? And that would almost make more sense to Jon Snow having to be sent to the fucking Night's Watch because now he's going to go stumble across the Craster's babies that he saw being taken. Which so is, that could be a yeah. cool, cool, full circle moment oh, if, yeah. they come, if they come back to this in eight years down the road or whatever it may be. Which there's but, so many sequels they could do for yeah, this. Yeah, dude. Like, that's the thing that frustrates me the most is it was never explained. What was the point of showing us that one singular baby being turned and, and telling us all of his boys get taken? Well, for what? Because if it was being sacrificed like that, why do you need to turn its fucking eyes blue to eat it okay eat the damn thing who gives a <laughs> Did shit he even eat it that's like, what i'm saying like, like, that's what i'm saying like, you're like, saying like your point you were talking about like you heard like someone said that it was yeah. to sacrifice to stay from craster but cool i agree that they they had they stayed away from craster because they were giving them babies but what was the use of the babies that they had i don't even agree with that i think it was a fucking waste of time i think it was like an attention well because like well the thing is remember craster was saying something along the lines of like you know they don't bother me like there's crueler gods yeah. beyond the walls they don't bother right. me so like he gives them stuff in exchange for hey leave me alone if i give you this yeah you know but the thing is is like that's cool and all but now explain what happens to the babies because if we never I, i'd even be okay if they left it alone without like us seeing the night king touch the baby and its eyes turn blue like if he didn't need to show me that like why did you show me that in that same guy that i saw on youtube that said that which not calling it that was an interesting thing like he took a lot of time on it but like his big thing was like john and danny have a baby and you know what stops them from taking over king's landing was john offers them the baby one why would john ever fucking do that to like In what the, the world? dude's gonna like come yeah it was weird the dude's gonna like come back every year for like a baby so they're gonna get their fuck on all the time to have a child and sacrifice it like it, it just makes no fucking no, sense that's stupid it makes no I don't, fucking I don't sense think that's, yeah i think that's ridiculous oh it's trust me it's not in but, what i got planned <laughs> yeah me neither but, um, yeah, so I just have an issue with the babies because it just was never resolved on what they do and what they're important because I don't think that he killed them and they were dead because they're not going to grow in anything and they can't help you in the army of the dead because they can't even crawl. They're fucking infants. They're this big as the size of my hand. What are they going to do? The only, Nothing. Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's everybody. it. That's all I had to say. The only thing I didn't come up with was it was like kind of that end attention getter shocker. So, like, people paid attention but yeah, I mean, it, it really made no sense. Like, for, like it was to hook us from you know? a show that brings us a lot of profit and stuff. I don't ever think they—they're not supposed to do anything by accident. Everything's supposed to be, you know, oh shoot, like this came out of nowhere. Really, yeah. nothing's supposed to be done by yeah, accident. It's not supposed to. Like it happens. <laughs> so that's, why, that's why we have such an issue with how the series ended up. You know, let's go into another point here. Illyrio Mopantis. Whatever happened to him? He was the one that housed Viserys and Daenerys, allowing them to survive. That's where Daenerys and Viserys like grew up was in Illyrio Mopantis' house in Pentos. I will let the whole army fuck you and their horses. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that, that's not even close you to where we're at right now. have a body now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, you just said Viserys, so. But Viserys, like, what we're talking about here is that Illyrio Mopantis has, was the only reason that Viserys and Daenerys even survived at all. He could have turned them away, like, like anything. He was okay with, like, growing them. He's the one that sold... This like helped like, that like broker that deal between the Dothraki 
and Viserys saying, listen, we'll give you our army if you give us a queen that we're happy with. He sold, Viserys sold Daenerys into Khal Drogo's like, custody with the help of Illyria Mopantis. Not on top of that, too, think about this. He allowed Varys to stay with Tyrion at his place after Tyrion killed Tywin. Remember they were on that boat and they got mm-hmm. off in Pentos and they asked, where are we? Like, you know, I have a friend that lives here, Illyria Mopantis. Like, he would never got brought up again. Keep in mind, Varys snuck Illyrio Mopantis into the Red Keep, in the Dragon Skull Room, where Arya overhears Illyrio and Varys plotting against the Hand of the King and talking about how the Lion and the Wolf, you know, are, are in a battle. Like, literally, he was snuck in, because remember when... Uh, and Baelish and, and Varys have this little like like intellect off, and he's like, "You were, uh, you know, I spotted you with uh, certain foreign dignitaries. Now it would be a shame if the king were to find out, you know, just all these things." So like, Illyrio Mopantis is such a big character that that he he he's the only reason that Daenerys is who Daenerys is today. He's not. If he doesn't exist, she doesn't get sold to the Dothraki. She doesn't like get a child. She doesn't think that she's born to take over the world. Mm-hmm. She doesn't jump into the fire with Khal Drogo to get her like eggs hatched. Illyrio Mopantis yeah, is the yeah. one who gave her dragon eggs. Exactly. Yeah. He at gave the her the wedding, dragon remember? eggs as a wedding gift at the wedding. Who? Yeah. Where? Like you didn't even put this guy in here after the season one. What was the? Yeah, he just like he just never he showed just, up like, again. Showed up. They made it look like he was just some guy that had some eggs. <laughs> that, like, Dude, he was so important to the storyline that like it's just it's, it's a slap yeah. in the face that we didn't get an exclamation on him or anything and it's just like you only hear him again that one time in like season five when like Viserys and Tyrion land in Pentos and like oh you know we're we're at uh, Lyra Mopantis' house he's a friend yeah, of mine and you don't like, even, oh okay like, see him he doesn't come out and make an entrance or anything nothing so someone answer me that Benny Alpha Weiss what the fuck were you doing then man like they just never brought this guy back in someone who's super important to everything now this is probably one of the biggest ones that I've got an issue with and I think the majority of fans got an issue with Azora High who was it yep got a big problem with that Arya wasn't a princess at the time she killed the Night King also, Lightbringer, the, the the sword that was like it was, it was a glowing, emanating sword from inside that had like it, it, it burned with a heat. Like that was a big part of the Azor High prophecy. Azor High and the and the sword that would shine like a light in darkness. Right. So it's not like the sword itself was on fire, a flaming sword. It's that it had like in like ingrained in the making of the sword it was like its own fire alive in the sword glowing and it had a, like a heat emanating from it that never got brought up at all in the series outside of season two episode one where we see stannis pull a flaming fire sword out of where they were burning the seven the uh, the gods the seven gods idols in sacrifice to the lord of light he pulls a sword out of there and that's supposed to be Lightbringer. well in the books Keep in mind, when Stannis comes and wrecks the wildlings and helps out the Night's Watch, Sam Tarly looks at the sword and uh, he, like, you know, he, Maester Aemon's asking Sam questions about the sword. He's like, you know, is it bright? Is it shining? He's like, yes, it's a, it's a glowing sword. And then Sam, he, he asked Sam to hold it. And then he put his hand over it too, and then he gave the sword back. And then after Stannis left the room, Maester Aemon said, I didn't feel any heat from that sword, did you? And Sam said no. So, basically meaning that that sword itself wasn't Lightbringer. At least that is still open for debate in the books. In the TV series, that didn't even happen. 
The sword just never made an <laughs> never appearance existed. again. We saw Santa's pull never out the flaming existed. sword season two, episode one, never and existed. never brought up again. What the never. fuck was that? Now we're because this is the this is yeah. the, the quote: the the burning sword uh, would be pulled from the fire by a great warrior. So like, uh, Arya only had needle, and that was not pulled from any sort of fire. She didn't use any other sword, and she killed the Night King with the cat's paw dagger. That's not Lightbringer. That's not a sword. Like, you know, I just don't understand. Like, you know, the prince that was promised will bring the dawn, right? I, so, like, it, like that's my issue. Like, that's why I'm not sure that Arya can be the prince that was promised for two reasons. Number one, she didn't have Lightbringer. Number two, she wasn't any sort of royal bloodline. It says the prince or princess that was promised. And at the time of the Long Night, Bran was not king. So she wouldn't be a princess. It would have been, you know, John who was like the heir to the Iron Throne, Danny or you know Cersei or whatever. So I just don't, I don't know what the fuck they were going with on this. See, I think this is where they really fucked up with the sword with Stannis. Um, one, I think it was just a prophecy they chose to omit as part of the prophecy to prove a try to prove a prophecy, if that makes sense. So they omitted part of the prophecy that should have been in there to prove who it was, almost like how they kind of did, you know, the prophecy with Arya, with the eyes. Um, I think <laughs> Arthur Dane should have played a big part. He was dead. This. He was dead, but his sword is in Sunspear, and they always described his sword in the book as having a white glowing burning light which is crazy because the also the specific name of his sword is dawn and like you know the prince that was promised will bring the dawn that could have been fucking awesome if they went that way but no it was not answered at <laughs> all in the series completely like, my question, fucked us. exactly <laughs> this is exactly why yeah. we're doing the summary episode to talk about all the things that were unanswered and what the fuck should have happened that i could have lived with that i could have like lived with like you know then finding arthur dane's sword and that actually being being lightbringer all along and only someone could wield it in the way that arthur dane could and like that's and think how, of all the fucking like, people that came from dorne you had alaria you had all this shit oh dude that absolutely. was going on you could have easily made that shit work just never brought up like this like, like i think that arthur what dane it didn't have any sort of impact on this uh, song of ice and fire in the tv <laughs> series other than showing the time he got killed treacherously by howlin reed in the back and you know what's pathetic he was easily the best warrior that ever lived yeah in the book 100 percent. so anyway i have to agree with you i think we got if you have a comment please put on here even post it on our instagram facebook page anything you want because I think we got completely effed over on this. Yes, we just never Take got an answer. Yeah. Now, coming back to this. This is where, remember I was putting stuff up on my phone. I was like, I can't <laughs> wait to this point. Mm-hmm. Guys, wait till you hear this fuckery. What do the bells ringing mean? Okay? I'm going to play something for you guys. Both of these clips are from Season 2, Episode 9, which was right before the Battle of Blackwater Bay. So, got some questions here. This is this is Lord Varys speaking to Tyrion. I've always hated the bells. They ring for horror. A dead king, a city under siege, a wedding. Exactly. So not any part in there did that say the bells ring for surrender. Ring for horror, a dead king, a city under siege. Now, let's see what Sir Davos 
says about the bells and what he thinks they mean. Season 2, Episode 9. I've never known the bells oh to mean surrender. I've awesome. never known the bells to mean surrender. Well, that's fucking funny. Call out, sick fucking burn. So, <laughs> season eight, episode five, Tyrion. If they ring the bells, that means the city has surrendered. Call off the attack. Does oh, really? It, does it really? Does mean it surrender? really? Because I don't think it does. <laughs> I think it means the exact opposite. How crazy is that? They just decided to make the the, the meaning of the bells completely so different. So what should have happened is the bells keep ringing as she destroys that shit. Yeah. So you, you saw Varys understand the bells ringing does not mean surrender. Davos, the bell, never, never heard the bells mean surrender. And then all of a sudden Tyrion's like, yeah, no, if the oh, ring bells man. ring. Did, yeah. You didn't catch that shit, did you? The bells will be ringing. What do you, what do you think about that, man? I think that's... We got screwed. I think we got completely screwed. I think it goes all the way into what they were doing was you go up of seasons one through six and a half. <laughs> six, no, half, like five and a half. I would say five and a half. And they completely take a shot, forgot <laughs> what they were talking about all the way back in season two and the other prophecies. I think they just forgot and we're taking it script by script. I mean, we talked about last episode with the damn banners again. They keep fucking shit up, man. Like, I think they just, it's like they went, they flew off the seat of their pants for this season. It made no sense. Yeah. So now I've got something else. Another, the Cersei prophecy plot hole. Cersei as a child goes to see Maggie, the witch in the woods. And basically, you know, for a taste of her blood, she gets three questions. Now, this is the part that's really fucked up. It's one of the questions that Cersei asks. Will the king and I have children? Maggie the witch. No, the king will have 20 children, and you will have three. Young Cersei says, well, that doesn't make sense. And Maggie says, gold will be their crowns, gold their shrouds. So guys, why doesn't it make sense that that you know that Cersei has three children? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because in season one, episode two, <laughs> Cersei tells Catelyn about her and Robert's child. I lost my, Cersei to Catelyn. I lost my first boy, a little black-haired beauty, not a golden crown. No, a black-haired beauty. He was a fighter too. Tried to beat the fever that took him. Forgive me. It's the last thing you need to hear right now. Catelyn replies, "I never knew." Cersei goes back. It was years ago. Robert was crazed. Beat his hands bloody on the wall. All the things men do to show you how much they care. The boy looked just like him. Such a little thing. A bird without feathers. They came to take his body away and Robert held me. I screamed and I battled, but he held me. That little bundle. They took him away and I never saw him again. I never visited the crypt. Never. I pray to the mother every morning and night that she return your child to you. To which Catelyn says, I am grateful. And Cersei replies, perhaps this time she'll listen. 
So what's up with that prophecy with three children when she has four? Would we just forget that she had a child from Robert Baratheon? Let's not forget. Remember back in, was it season six or season five where she saw the witch and was talking about her children? That's the one I'm talking about. That's that's the, that's the point I'm talking about. Gotcha. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was season five, episode yeah. one. Season five. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Season five, episode yeah. one is, is a flashback going through that talking to the witch. And like that's when she says all those things about you have three children. Like, the king will have 20 children, which are all his bastards, right? And then so she said, you will have three you know then you think like oh that's joffrey marcella and tom and cool right yeah but what about the fucking black-haired child that her and robert had that died with the fever she said you will never bear the king's <laughs> child like that, that's crazy that's that, that's four children that she had one of them that she said you will never bear the king a child well really because she went on a whole rant part of how you know her firstborn was robert's son and had black hair and looked just like him someone explain that please I'm waiting for it. <laughs> it's so bad because I keep trying to think of some defense for them. It is almost like if y'all have seen the wolf on Wall Street, that uh, cop goes, and our case couldn't be better if you were, we caught you putting money in your mattress. This is what we call a Grenada. <laughs> Grenada was an island in the Southern Isles, and we demolished it. And your case is what we know as a grenada <laughs> there is no defense here no like you never bring this up again it's not in the books it's just thrown in there like why and they made it out like it was going to be some big deal with this like witch it's almost like they're just like you were saying with what we were talking about um before with the babies and stuff it's almost like they were trying to come up with these attention getters, but they were pulling them out of their ass, so there was no connection or correlation with them. The only thing I could think of is because, like, and this this is a stretch, though, because there's no reason she should have that much detail and be able to tell exactly what happened about Robert's child. And, like, if I'm not mistaken, I think even Robert said something about it. I might have just invented that in my head. But right. anyways. And in the book, my, she does see the witch, my, so just to clear that up, but it's different. My thing mm -hmm. is, is that maybe cersei made it up because remember like bran they, she didn't want bran to survive because bran saw her and jamie getting it on right so she didn't want bran to survive so maybe she was going in there to check to see how bran was like coming along and then to like kind of come up with a cover story she decided to lie about her having a child that died too to build like some rapport with catelyn so she didn't think it was weird that she went in to check on bran that's the only possible thing i could think of but other than that that's a really shitty thing to have us try to like put together on our own like oh yeah like basically you lied to us for a whole segment of yeah. that. That's stupid. And here's my other problem with that is that contradicts everything they say because that goes against one, Cersei like feeling so prominent to her family like she would never want her kids to die. Yeah, she's not going to make up a child that died. Yeah, like, like that would never, never do anything like ever to contradict that. And like we never hear about this from anything and you're trying to make this witch almost like some oracle... Yeah, that comes up. Even in in Storm of Swords, you know, um, High Heart, which was the Oracle where Jenny of Old Stones. Like, I mean, you hear even that's such a small part, but it plays into so much of the books where it, you know, they relate to different things where it came up multiple times. Like Rob traveling to Oldstown, and then you had 
Jenny that was there and Arya met him with the brother of Banners. Like we, my point being to that is we never see this like more than once. And this is what started that season. Like, I want this was it. I want to play this so you guys can see. I didn't just take this from anywhere. This is season one, episode two. This is Catelyn and Cersei. Listen here. my first boy little blackhead beauty he was a fighter too tried to beat the fever that took him forgive me it's the last thing you need to hear right now i never knew it was years ago robert was crazed beat his hands bloody on the wall all the things men do to show you how much they care boy looked just like him. Such a little thing. Bird without feathers. I came to take his body away. And Robert held me. I screamed and I battled, but he held me. That little bundle. I took him away and I never saw him again. Never visited the crypt. Never. I pray to the mother every morning and night that she return your child to you. I am grateful. Perhaps this time she'll listen. So whatever happened to that, guys? <laughs> Someone want to tell me where that black-haired child came up in that witch prophecy? I no think sense. that we got screwed over, Chase. I do agree Robert was probably acting that way because everyone forgets he was fucking other girls trying to get his fuck on with Liana, who wouldn't have it. <laughs> remember that Dude. one? He wanted to get well, his Liana fuck on. Well, Liana was dead by that time. Yeah, That's I remember he always wanted to get his well, fuck on. Well, the thing is, like, they were. They were betrothed. Like, they were supposed to be married, intended mm-hmm. to be married. He and wanted then they to came do up the with, dirty, too. They did do the dirty. <laughs> they did do the dirty together. So the thing is, is that yeah, he didn't get the last laugh though. They they kidnapped. Like they came up with a story that Rhaegar kidnapped Lyanna when Lyanna just ran away with him. Because remember, Lyanna or uh, Rhaegar went to the Mm -hmm. tournament and laid the like the blue flowers, the blue rose on Lyanna's life. We'll talk about that coming up soon. (laughs) But uh, anyways, long story short, man. Like that was just something that you know what that prophecy was just unfulfilled or just not not a true prophecy in and of itself. I'm just so sick of the plot holes. Me too. Like, like it's supposed pathetic. to be. A, like, it's really not fun. So now one of the biggest plot holes. You ready for this one, bro? Yeah, let's do it. What was the point of John being Aegon Targaryen? Because like, here's my thing: if they wanted to resurrect John solely to take back Winterfell. Then he could have stayed Jon Snow. And Danny, what would have probably happened, she probably would have made him Jon Stark, like she made Gendry Rivers Gendry Baratheon. He never made a push for the f- throne, and the country never divided over the issue, so what was the point? 
Like, that's what I'm saying. And that probably would have even meant more to John because he's no longer called a bastard. Remember with Ramsey, that was such a big thing with him was Roos made him not a bastard anymore. Right. And Stannis even offered it to John and like John didn't accept it because he thought it was he'd made vows to the Night's Watch before he was killed. You know, before he said, fuck the Night's Watch. And now his watch is ended. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. So now like he could accept being John Stark. So, like, that would have made more sense. Like, hey, listen, if you just want to bring this guy back to take back Winterfell, I'm with it. Cool. But don't come up with this damn thing that he's Aegon Targaryen and then never make that a big point throughout the rest of the series. That was stupid. That was completely ridiculous. Remember when he found out? He was just like, oh. (laughs) I am. Wow. I am, I guess. I guess that's what I am. (laughs) Very, very (laughs) interesting. Hmm. Go to Ancestry.com. You find out your family has, like, a shitload of money. But think about this, too. Like, bro, that would have kind of really solved a lot of the issues. Now John isn't weirded out because he's screwing his aunt, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And, like, Danny, like, needs John's – he's the king of the north. He needs, like, his support. So what's he going to do – like, what's she going to do for him in exchange for basically saving, like, all of humanity? Well, guess what? You're John Stark. You're the you're warden of the North, the Lord of Winterfell. And that that I feel like, like that would have meant even more to John than being a yes. Because the thing is, like, but don't don't like, like that could have been an amazing thing that I just made up there. But don't like ignore that. Like, if you're gonna ignore that, make being him being Aegon Targaryen mean a, a whole hell of a lot. Then like, make make it be like he's either gonna be the king or like there's gonna be this big conflict where they fight it out and one of them die like don't don't sit here and just fucking play us along like oh we know the secret about this and then we're waiting for it to ever come up again and it just never does and here's my problem here's my big problem right now is out of the millions not thousands coming from someone that has a literature and journalism background and worked in entertainment there are millions of people that are script writers that try to make it big. Benningoff and Wise are known as huge script writers. Why the fuck are you missing huge details like this? Like this sculpted your entire arc. Well, this is the thing. And I, I talked about this with you last night before we came over here today. Bro, I like Benny, Benioff and Weiss were given a standalone Star Wars film that they could work on together. I could forgive them for trashing Game of Thrones if they put all their heart and soul and worked into the Star Wars thing because that that would have made them immortalized in like fantasy culture forever. I could have I could have forgiven that like fuck again if that sucks Game of Thrones got screwed over but at least we got this amazing Star Wars film out of it. But to fuck over Game of Thrones and then bow out of the standalone Star Wars film so we got <laughs> fucked on both ends. How what shitty, the man. fuck were you guys doing? What the fucking fuck? <laughs> uh, that was some bullshit, man. In the words of Step Brothers, remember the mom? Yeah. She's like, when what they're the trying to... Fuck? What the fucking fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I have no... Like, this is the... Man, and it sucks, because it was such... Even if you ignore the shit, like, the visuals are great. Cool. Michael Bay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, this isn't saying it was a bad show. Like, it, it's a great show. But, like, it had so much potential to be possibly the greatest show that ever happened yeah so anything else you want to add to john being Aegon targaryen anything you could think of besides i'm pissed yeah all right <laughs> let's move on because yeah. i've got another thing i've got an issue with that i'll fix in my rewrite for you guys so there you go you're welcome but uh 
Why did Arya only use the faces to kill the Freys? Like, kill Walder Frey and all of his, like, men. There was so much time of training to only use the ability once. And, bro, she even brought a bunch of faces in her bag to Winterfell that Sansa finds. And she has to explain. Remember that? She goes in the room and, like, looks at it and yeah. a bunch of faces she right. pulls out. She never used them! <laughs> she was like, those are my faces. Yeah. Like, they never... Ne- like, that was made no them. sense. You spent... So she she sailed to Bravos at the very end of season four. Spent all of season five, all of majority... Like, almost at the last episode of season six, up in their learning. So you spent the majority of two seasons being a face like you know, training to be a faceless woman and like, you, you use the ability arc. once once you One didn't time. even use it to kill Baelish like, like you didn't even use nothing. it for Baelish you killed Walder Frey and killed all like the Frey didn't like, use sons. it for the Night King like like it was, what was basically the point? basically it was all used for Walder Frey there was like opinion. you're telling me that she couldn't have just killed Walder Frey she killed the Night King as herself she couldn't have killed Walder Frey as herself Walder Frey <laughs> Being the guy that was like a little bitch that never showed up to any battle. The late Walder Frey. That Sir Duncan the Tall said he was so fucking annoying, despite the fucking word. He was so <laughs> annoying, I would have thrown him off a wall myself when he was a child. Like, he was he was never a threat. He was just some old man. You could have killed him, like, he, yeah. uh, like, I guess, like, to kill the whole house. That's Maybe. what I'm saying. Like that. Okay, but still, that's one time you use this ability that you spent years training for to like kill a house that really. I mean, yes, they murdered your family, so like, cool, get revenge. But like, bro, let's let's like bring this back up again. Like Sansa saw, like even after you did the fray yeah. thing, Sansa saw all these faces in this bag. Like, let's can we use them? Don't worry, I got some stuff for you in my rewrite. Don't worry, guys, yeah. I got you. I'll take care of the writing. Benny Alvarez, you can take a seat. It's all good. <laughs> take it, but I, I I see what you're saying, <laughs> but this says otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> this well, says that, otherwise. what's that song? Little Wayne's like, simmer down, pimpin'. Let me handle this. What was it? <laughs> like, remember uh, uh, Kanye West <laughs> like years ago to Taylor Swift? Uh, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna yeah. let you finish. <laughs> but Beyonce had one of the best Greatest music videos of all, of all time. Yeah, um, dude. By the way, though, just throwing this out real quick. Which I guess it wouldn't really make sense because the faceless men are in the house of black and white, so they're all in kind of Westeros and Essos. All but dude, that's in another that thing too. Not to interrupt you, we only see the Waif and Jack and Hagar and <laughs> Arya. Where's the rest of these faceless men? All over. Where they're are supposed you? Supposed to be everywhere. Like literally, they so frustrated, are bro. everywhere. But so. I was gonna say it would be cool if they had a sequel at some point where Arya sailed west of Westeros and then she continues that whole faceless men. I just I don't prophecy know, man. Like, and that's the thing too about Jack and Garlic. Like, what was his whole sole purpose in the show was just to train Arya because he never showed up again ever. Like I don't know, man. I don't know. Any and you have anything else to say on Arya and the faces? Are we all in agreement that that was bullshit too? I mean, I thought it was badass. Like, I love. Oh, it was six. cool. It was cool <laughs> to see her use it, but six. like, why did we only get once of it, but then get shown a bag of faces, like as if it was going to come up again, and it never yeah. did. Yeah, I think we got completely robbed. Uh, take a shot. I do yes, think. Yes, sir. I will. <laughs> yes, sir. Malice in the chalice. Yeah, no, I need, I, it. I need it. Think of all these things that we're going through, bro, and none of us have any good clear cut. I'll answers. tell you this: there was a moment a couple of weeks ago. I called Josh late at night, and I said, "I'm pissed." Like, this is starting to get annoying. Like, I was about to be asleep. <laughs> I was actually sleeping on my couch that night because I was taking notes, as I'm sure you remember, and I was pissed because I had to wake up and write things down. 
Now, I do want to say, though, it would be cool if she did, you know, they did pick up a sequel in West of Westeros, whatever that may be, and she did kind of fulfill that contract kind of thing. Or maybe she trains somebody or, you know, she becomes but really... But for what we saw on is. screen, what we should have had answers to, we got screwed. nothing. Screwed. Completely nothing. screwed. So Take what, a shot. Let's <laughs> move on from that. And, you know, I got... I. I I'm so sorry, bro. I, I, I'm very sorry that I did this. So, guys, I ruined this big thing for Chase. Uh, talking about one of his guys, Dario Naharis. <laughs> I got super excited, and it's I just good. like I was so excited to tell him what I did in my rewrite, and like I ended up telling him, he's like, "Man, I wish you could have told me that like for the first time when we were like live so on the stoked. show." So like I would have loved to see his reaction. Yeah. I thought yeah. I was like, "Man, I should," but dude, like I said, I can't. Yeah. I when I want someone to tell someone something, excuse me, and I have like a present, I want to give someone like. I'm so impatient. I can't wait. Comes over so, when we're going for lunch, and he's like, "Okay, man, I'm gonna, I, I gotta like, tell you, I, like, like, I gotta tell you." He's like, uh, "Yeah, man." So we've been working on our rewrites. You know about this complete? I'm just take a shot. I say completely so much, yeah, man. Cut that shit. It's out. like take a, <laughs> like I'm just sitting there silent, and Josh is like, "Okay," like I'm waiting to respond. Josh is like, "Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. I'm gonna tell you right now." And dude, so I told and him, it was awesome. And it was though. awesome. It was so, badass. And like, so it was cool that, but like, I kind of regret it because I would have loved to see like Chase's initial reaction, like for the first time on on here, like with you guys. But anyways, Darian Harris, right? What happened to him? He never showed up again. So are we just supposed to like accept the fact that he ruled in Marine for? Like whatever until he died and passed the torch down to his sons and sons like like what like, like <laughs> never ever ever was explained or like we never saw this guy again. And you were saying you saw like an interview with him and he said like what wait, he was looking yeah, for yeah, yeah he talk was about like that. waiting for the call from I don't I can't say it was exactly from like bending off and wise because you don't know what happens as far Probably as like, casting writers. director it would be the casting, casting directors yeah. yeah and from his agent because he was waiting to come back. Because, of course, the original Dario Naharis, they didn't get him to come back. Because he was an awesome one. I missed that Oh, guy. he was bad. He was like Achilles, he was, man. He was his own person. Like Oberon Motel, Martel or him? Who do you pick? I, t- I take Dario Naharis. Fuck that. I know, I know <laughs> you Fuck say that, that, dude. Well, the, maybe, nah, because Oberon Martel would get too cocky and knock his ass down. About to kill him, that's why. But, Anyways, that's, no, we're not comparing those two. Yeah, that, that my two favorite. Control, yeah, right? My two favorite. Anyways... Um, what I was saying was he was waiting to get a call about that and said in an interview he was sitting there waiting to show up in season season 8 or season 7 because remember after season 6 he's just done even if it was just like a cameo thing and he just never got a call like yeah. I don't know if it was budget Dude, we don't know if he knows if Danny's dead or alive does he know anything that happened Like not to like, mention half her army like a good her, part of it the second sons yeah like yeah. her army is over there Dude, so it's just one of those things, bro, that like we never got any closure on and we get really frustrated about, right? Well, he was staying there to govern Marine. That's another thing, too. You can't say he was just there with like three second sons either. Like that was a lot of people. And that, dude, that's funny because what my next issue I have is like what happens to Yunkai as support Marine? Do the slavers and masters take it back now that Danny's dead? Or do Grey Worm and the Unsullied go there to enforce the law after they go to Noth? Because remember, we were talking about last week in that, like, the last mm. episode, the Unsullied like, were, like, wanted to sail to the island of Noth. That's what Grey, right. Grey Worm wants to do. So, like, do they go back to Marine and Asaphor and Yunkai after Noth and, like, enforce those laws? Or is it, like, all anarchy over there? Like, oh, the Dragon Queen's dead. Back to slavers. Woohoo! Like, what happens? Do we get any sort of closure on that? No, we do not. <laughs> 
Did, like, do you have anything to say on that, or is that fucked up, too? <laughs> no, I mean, I think you know what I have to say about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That I have no closure on it. It's completely... So let us know shot. what you guys think over I there, I just man. don't get it, man. I, it's, it's at the point where it's just embarrassing. Oh, and, oh, and what's, this is my I've favorite got more. show. Oh, I've got more. This is my favorite show that has ever existed, and it's just ridiculous ridiculous because you put so much emphasis on these points and you just leave them goodbye Bye. see you later see you later we're done with you yeah you know what we're gonna have to furlough you forever <laughs> forever yeah, <dude. laughs> that's exactly what happened so trust me i've got still a bunch oh we're gonna left. call you back uh after the series is done and say thank you for your contribution <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you <laughs> so ne- next thing i have here too guys and this this is something that you know maybe i'm just getting a little too nitpicky about but do you guys remember when jamie lannister arrived in winterfell in season eight and danny was grilling him in the great hall like about like everything and, and brianne had to stick up for him and vouch for him to basically sans being like well if brianne trusts him i trust him and then john's like we could use all the men we can get and jamie's an experienced commander like but basically you knew danny didn't like him from the start all this shit bro can we f- focus on the fact that danny just maybe forgot that jamie tried to kill her and when I say that, remember in the in the show, Spoils of War, Jamie charged at Danny with a spear on horseback. Danny looks right at him, and then Drogon turns his head and is about to roast Jamie until Bronn saves his ass. Literally, great point, dude. I'm surprised she didn't bring that shit up. Oh, I'm saying, dude, this guy was coming at you with a spear, full fledged, about to end your life, and you just forgot to mention that. Just never brought it up. Like, you're grilling his ass about other stuff. But In fact, grilled his ass about his dad when I would have been thinking, dude, you just tried to fucking you tried kill to kill me. Ki- yeah. You tried to kill me. Why the fuck would I want you Did here? they bring it up? No, they did not. <laughs> and acted like everything was hunky-dory when they met in the dragon pit, too. <laughs> just bringing that up. It's not like it was a random soldier that came up to her. No, it was him. And she knew it was him. Yeah. He had a fucking golden hand. <laughs> like it's, oh, guess what got him captured? Yeah, when we talked about last week. <laughs> yeah, no, no, two weeks ago. Or, yeah, dude, like, two weeks ago now. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's right. Now, um, what we talked about now this, to going into last week, what we talked about is what the fuck happened to the Dothraki. Remember that? We talked about that last week. Like all of a sudden, you know, we see like the Unsullied sail off to Noth. We see. You know, John go beyond the wall. We see Arya sail west to go to west of Westeros and that shit. Bro, what the fuck happened to Dothraki? They went back with Yara and started pillaging and raping and plundering. That's Maybe that's happened. the only thing. Because, like, think about it. They they never ever once remember. Like, they never crossed the the poison water. They were afraid of what they called the poison water, which is, which is like the salt water. You can't drink it because you'll dehydrate and die. So that's why they call it the poison water. They were always afraid to cross the narrow sea. Now, the issue I have with that is, like, now that they got no one that can sail them around and you didn't see them on the same ship as the Unsullied, where the fuck did the Dothraki go? Did they stay in Westeros? Did they create their own Dothraki house? Where the fuck are they? Would they and what happened to them? Like, I just back don't understand. Back to the Great Grass Sea. How did they go back? Because, like, who's gonna, who's, like, they don't know how to sail. Oh, they can't even get on the ship. Yes. That's what I'm they saying. They can't even get on the ship. Someone has Who to sails lo- them? Someone has to loan them the ships. Dude, and let's, 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 in argument's sake, let's say they have the ships. Who sails them? They don't know how to sail. They're terrified of being on the water. And, it, and their horses, because you know how, like, religious they are about their horses. They've got to, like, 
Like, no. <laughs> and remember in season six, like, that's what Dario was saying, was he was like, you know, you barely got enough ships to get, like, part of them over the sea. And then in season seven, when Jora was saying, you know, we, yeah, well, no, it was Jamie actually talking to Cersei. He was like, you know, foreigners have never been on our lands, and she's taking these Dothraki to the ships and brought them to the sea. Like, how are you getting them back? Yeah, and not, not to mention, remember they destroyed their ships at Casterly Rock? Euron destroyed all their ships until you had to walk across like the, the, the country to get to King's Landing. Destroyed the ships there, destroyed the ships they sent to Dorne to bring the Sand Snakes back to have Dorne take them. So, like, she's got very limited amount of ships. Like, let's give them, let's give them the benefit it. of the doubt and say, okay, you know, let's say the people in Westeros offered to give them enough ships to take them back. Who's going to sail them back? The Dothraki don't know how to sail the seas. <laughs> They've never crossed the sea. The um, only time they crossed the sea was because Daenerys, like, they followed her. So did they go back to the Dothraki Sea over in Vast Dothrak? Did they stay in Westeros? Does anyone have an answer for me? No, because it was never fucking answered. They just assumed they raped and plundered throughout King's Landing. No, because you know they would never <laughs> allow that. That's my thing. They well, I never... don't know now. I mean... <laughs> Remember that dude was trying oh. to rape that girl when John stopped him? And think about this too. Well, that wasn't a Dothraki. That was just a regular. Yeah, but I'm saying you can't. So you can't not allow it. But dude, now <laughs> yeah. that you bring up John, guess what, guys? Guess who's technically the the leader of all the Dothraki? Guess who's the Great Call now? John, because he killed Daenerys. John is technically their their Great Call. He defeated their leader. So who's after John though? <laughs> that's the question <laughs> so john can't be their leader because he's got to go beyond the wall we know the dothraki ain't going beyond the wall because they don't they're not going to fare well on the damn so snow. they're just like stuck there standing like they we can't don't know. even they can't even do anything because here's the other thing here's the other problem a call in order to like do what you wish you have to be commanded by cal like remember cal coro or cal drogo you have to be commanded to be in an area or do something for the call. There is no call anymore. John's the call, but he got <laughs> banished to the Night's Watch. So there will be... He is... <laughs> he is abandoning the call, and the call is sitting there waiting. So here's the good news. Sorry, I keep bumping you. If they find more whites or another Night King and John gets attacked... John always has like an extra horde of Benjis to bail his ass out. <laughs> but does he though? Because they didn't get shown to be going across the wall with him. We don't know what happened to him. We They're never, we climb. never saw them. <laughs> well, there's no wall anymore, so I guess they can ride. Well, there's still a wall. It's just it's broken on the East Watch. Side. Yeah, like like, like the broken, Castle right? Black is fine. So it didn't it didn't destroy the wall as an entirety. Like the it's just at that area where they were able to cross by East Watch. But my, my issue was is like it was never answered. We never saw the Dothraki on screen again after the stupid speech that Danny gave that you were talking about. Dothraki last really got screwed over, That's man. what I'm saying. So All that anyways. raping and plundering. Got him. You know, what goes around comes around. Cal so, karma. That's what we call Cal, it. Cal karma. <laughs> yeah. And so this is something that you alluded to that I talked to you a little bit about not too long ago. But uh, the next thing I've got an issue with is like the Night King's mark on stuff he touches. Right, he left a mark on Bran when he grabbed Bran's arm and Bran's vision, but like, can we think of somebody else he grabbed too with no sort of repercussions? Oh yeah, grabbed Arya by the neck when she went to go like kill him from the back. Yeah. Grabbed her by the wrist and by the neck. She had no marks on her. So what's up with like him having marks there? Like I don't understand like what 
you know, and there was no mark on the baby after he touched it with its finger. There was no like dark mark there on above the brow. So like, what, like, how does he have like marks on Bran, but like not marks on other shit he touches? I don't the know. The only thing I can think of is that Bran and the Night King are connected. But like, they're connected. They don't need a fucking mark to prove it. <laughs> it reminded me of Harry Potter. Like the dark mark when like. Oh. Oh, that's good too. I was thinking of when uh, what was it? Quill. Remember he like put his oh, fingers Quirrell. on Professor Quirrell. Quirrell. Yeah. Professor, you know I'm terrible at names. Yeah, I know. Professor Quirrell and Sorcerer's Stone. He like puts his fingers and yeah, like burns him. it off. I don't know, man. I have no answer. None of us do. And then this is something I've been having the biggest, one of the biggest <laughs> the problems. are sitting there with their thumb up their ass. Like, what do we do, guys? <laughs> we never see him again. After do we that make speech. a farm now or? <laughs> make some tents do we pitch camp right here in the middle of king's landing so the dothraki what you're saying are under brand now <laughs> no because john's still alive <laughs> yes they're just sitting there they, they like they well the thing is that we don't know what happens to them they, they do they like i don't know but anyways <laughs> let's move on from the fucking dothraki yeah, to something just, that i've oh, got a big so issue pissed. with i've had this issue i've told you about it numerous times throughout this series bro i'm so pissed whatever happened to illin Payne? I don't know, just the guy that literally chopped off Ned Stark's head and started the War of the Five Kings, the the King's Justice. He was there in the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Remember when Cersei's like, yeah, he's actually here to kill all of us if we lose so that way we don't get raped and get pregnant by these savages. Like, he never showed up again. This guy is literally, like, the like, and he was on Arya's list. Like, the second guy on Arya's like, list. Like, Illyn Payne like is the one Cersei. that separated Ned Stark's head from his shoulders. Illyn Payne swung the sword. But he never gets brought up again. He was even... I can think of multiple times throughout the seasons that Arya was singing her list of, so she could go to sleep. And Ellen Payne was one of the first ones that she mentioned every single time. Joffrey, Cersei, Ellen Payne. Like, those are like... The, like, dude, like I'm saying, we never get any sort of closure about him. Now, the only thing I can think of Well, is... I will say this. Let me, let me preface this real quick because the actor himself was diagnosed with, I think it was some sort of cancer. I don't know if it was colon cancer or something. So he himself could not come back. But you've made actor changes for everybody else throughout this entire series. You could have made an actor change for Ellen Payne, no problem. On top of that, at least mention what happens to him. Don't act like he never existed. He took Ned Stark's head off. I'm sorry, go ahead, what were you gonna say? Oh no, you you raise a good point because I was gonna say uh, two things actually. So the first thing was, it's not like he was a big character like Cersei or Jon or Arya or Danny or so- even Sansa. You know, those people you can't change. Like, you can't. It would be weird. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was going to say is George made a point in an interview one time when he's still writing Wins a Winner, which is taking years. After this whole COVID shit, like he should have this shit done by the summer, man. There's no, I, I, I heard I a rumor know. that August, like when he goes to the, the New Zealand con, like in August, that he'll have like at least like that won't be published, but you'll have like a heart, like a a finished thing, a like, like yeah, like, yeah. So that'd be awesome. That'd that's be what I heard. Ass. That's the rumor, man. We'll yeah. see what happens. But my point being was, he said in an interview, you know, I want this to be as there's no happy ending. So I guess when Arya said Sandor, thank you, in the bells, maybe it was kind of like Benning off and Wise was trying to say, you know, this is a realistic ending. Like, not everything ends up 
in a in a fantasy happy epic tale. I don't know, man, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of things they could have just left off. I mean, they did leave a bunch of shit off, but dude, this is this is the you know Cersei ended up dying. We knew Cersei had to die. Jamie ended up dying. He had to die. Oh, so but, pissed. But like, yeah, we talked about <laughs> that during the bells, but. My problem is, is like this guy literally has a key hand into the events that led to the, you know, War of the Five Kings and A Song of Ice and Fire. Literally, he's the one that separated Ned Stark's heart from like like Ned Stark Ned Stark's head from his shoulders. Had to have like this is out. the one that should have been the most revenge, really. Yeah, realistically, like, outside of Joffrey, because Joffrey gave the order, you know. And you, but, but you even think of that though. Yeah. Ilan Payne had the choice to do it. Yeah, he could have actually, not, you know, risked his own risked his own. I wouldn't life expect to anyone stop, to do that, you know, to risk his own life to stop. But like, he's definitely someone that needed to be taken care of and 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 killed. Besides Cersei, that's yeah. what I would say. I would say he's second. Like Cersei's first. Where's that? I don't whole think it was Cersei. Problem. It was Joffrey. I mean, I'm talking about like overall Cersei. Yes, but I'm talking about just in that situation with Ned Stark. Cersei wanted him to like live his life out on the wall. Like, hey, listen, like this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get rid of Ned Stark and make it so he can't, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I love that part though where Arya says in season seven, "I remember how pretty your hair was that day when they dragged father to the block." Oh, yeah. such a so she remembered clue. that, but just happened to forget Ellen Payne, who took her father's head off. I gotta give the actors and actresses credit; they chose some badass actresses and actors in the show, though they did a really good yeah. job. No, the casting for was pretty not solid. unknown actors, yeah. though. It's funny because I was telling you the other day um, they have an unreleased pilot where like three really important people are actually different actors. Like Daenerys was not played by Amelia Clark in the original pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Catelyn Stark was not played by who you saw in in the original pilot, and then Illyrio Mopantis was played by somebody else as well. So, it, we'll never see that pilot because it's unreleased. It's like their first, like you know, rough draft, if you will. I want to say something too because that's really cool. Yeah. I watch, you know, a lot of films do that. So I watched a documentary on Disney Plus actually with uh, George Lucas. So the guy that tried out against Mark Hamill for Luke Skywalker was um kurt russell no way really kurt russell and they didn't give it to him they went with mark hamill who is like an unknown guy which think of the avengers too yes chris evans and um chris hemsworth are big names now back then they weren't anybody actually anthony hopkins was quoted chris evans was uh human torch and he was in cellular but i mean they weren't near as big as what they were now Chris Hemsworth, actually, Anthony Hopkins was quoted as saying he's one of the worst actors I've ever worked with. And now we see he was just really acting that way for that role. Um, and it turned out different. But it just goes to show it's pretty cool how they kind of rolled the dice on these people. And they tur- I thought Macy Williams and uh, Amelia Clark, even. Even Kit Harrington, I thought they did a fantastic job. Our girl uh, Natalie uh, did really well too. I mean, there's just so many actors that did a great job in this. For sure, but that's not the the problem I have. I'm totally <laughs> cool with all the actors. And Josh actresses. is back to the negative. Let's but, like, get back yeah, to fucking that's, you that's over. That's the point. That's the part of the outline that we're in right now. Is all the plot holes. I and tried to bring questions. a little bit of light to the situation. You no, sucked sir. it back in. Man. No, sir. We need to talk about Completely the problem. Completely honest. Yeah. It's all about the problem. It's all about the problem. A guy problems. like me. 
a guy do I look like a guy with a plan <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now if we can move on from the ill and pain nonsense that never got answered what was up with, with Bran telling everyone that he can't be lord of anything tells Tyrion he doesn't want anything anymore tells him I'm not lord Stark but is totally cool with ruling the whole shit He's totally cool with taking everyone's glory. (laughs) He's totally cool with getting dragged across the. He goes his actual his exact words in one of the seasons of quote was like, "I can't be lord of anything." That's one. And he then Tyrion's like, "You don't want it." He's like, "I don't really want anymore." And then you know he's he's like, "I'm not Lord Stark." He's like, "Well, you're the last surviving son of Ned Stark." I'm not Lord Stark. Like literally, he's talking about all these things. He can't be the Lord of Winterfell. But he can be the king of the whole kingdom. Why totally th- cool. <laughs> Why do you think I came all this way? Why you think I wheeled my ass down here, boy? <laughs> Listen, Why? bitch. I came down here so John can my kill throne. the queen. And John's ass going to be sent to the wall if I say so. <laughs> Just like you said, Mr. Grey Worm. You said, oh, he can't be He can't be hand to the king. He's a fucking traitor. Well, guess what? He can because I say he can. So fuck you guys. It's going to go my way. Or the highway, the ultimate tyrant. Dude, like, Brand just, like, it made no sense. Like, yeah, you, like, it's like, I don't want any more. I'll just be, like, a, a background guy. But, hey, guess what? I'll actually be ruler of everything. No worries. Thank you. I'm going to go now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go take all the glory now. <laughs> I'm going to go take the A on the group project while you yeah. guys get fucked. Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> hey, guys, like, y'all cool with taking I all the notes for me? I would have been cool. <laughs> cool with crawling on the ground, man? <laughs> I would have been cool with the situation if they didn't make a point for him to go on a rant of why he couldn't be Lord Stark, how he didn't want anymore, how he's not Lord Stark. Like... If you didn't make it a point to go through that and then he ended up being the king, I could swallow that better. But don't sit here and make it seem like he's this nice boy, he doesn't want anything, he's just going to be cool. And he's like, hey, you know, guess what, man? I'll be king of the whole thing, though. Like, I would have even been that. cool if, like, Tyrion sat there and begged him in front of the council to do it. He was like, all right, fine. No, dude, like, mm-hmm. you... If anything, it makes Bran look weak as shit because, like, he can't support his own point from the beginning. I hate to say it, but would you want a king that's like that? That's like, oh, this is real. That's Peter Baelish. You connived your ass this entire time to get there. That was your goal. You acted well, like I you didn't say, want it. I'll say it wasn't his goal because I remember him saying and the things like, he's like, I don't want to be your hand. He's like, and I don't want to be king. So I like, 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 it's not that he wanted to do it, but the fact that like he just immediately like, yeah, no worries, I'll do it. Why do you think I wheeled my ass, my ass down here? Like that's the thing that rubbed me the wrong way. Anyways. I guess. Do you think it's because cause he can see all that's in the past and based on the, I want to say, nominees, the candidates, he was like, well, I'm the best candidate because everyone else here is for their own self, I guess? I guess. But that would make I don't no know. sense. And I understand he couldn't pardon John to make peace, but in the end, you could have pardoned John. And then John could have claimed king. That's the thing too, is like all, all the Dothraki left. Like, why not just like send ravens and nights watch? Hey John, you can come back now. All the unsullied are gone back to the Essos. So they're not coming back <laughs> like, here anymore. Screw you, Grey Worm. Like, <laughs> like, like they're never gonna come back to Westeros, so who cares? And that's a good point. Like he already said screw you, Grey Worm, because he made Tyrion hand. He was like, I can and I will. Like, like that's me. there is no reason he couldn't have pardoned John. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, John got screwed. He did by get the screwed. Way. Mm-hmm. 
So now, this is something I've already brought up before, but just to reiterate it, because I'm upset. What was up with the army of the dead being able to swim down to the bottom of the lake and chain dead Viserion around the neck and pull him out? Like, that had to be what happened, because the Night King, if it was just the Night King himself, he could have swam down and touched Viserion, and Viserion would have turned to the Ice Dragon and flown his own ass out. Now, if that is what happened, that's a huge issue, because... Why would the army of the dead stop at the lake shore at Hardhome instead of swimming out after them? Or in season 7 when they went beyond the wall to capture a white and the army of the dead surrounded them but had to wait for the lake to freeze over before attacking? Like why would you make a point to show like they are afraid or can't get into water but then all of a sudden they can swim down and get Viserion out of the lake no problem though? Yeah, the reason I was doing this is because that meme where he has a snorkel mask on and it has him at the bottom of the ocean looking for Viserion and it says finding Viserion coming in like 2021 <laughs> yeah I don't know man because it... it wasn't the Night King that went down there to do it because he could have just touched yeah. them and Night King and he could have flown his ass even out even worse was I don't know here, I think here, that's I worse got, I got a good are I you talking a... about the chain no okay. I, I actually have a good thought Okay. remember when those two whites popped up out of the lake to drag Tormund down in season 7 I don't know. Maybe they could swim, and maybe they were just standing there for no reason. No, it's point of making them stand there. And what's the point of them at hard, <laughs> at hard home just letting them get away? I like, mean, just, I, like, I agree with you. I just, just don't. It made no I don't, sense. I don't. There was too many like instances where it showed them as if they were afraid of the water. Or they couldn't survive going into the water. And to have that just get all thrown to the side while you can go swim down and grab Viserion when literally the, the episode before you stood on the lake until the lake was frozen over. And how the it. hell did they get the chains there? Like, where did they get these uh, these uh, millennial generation big-ass chains? Like, where I did know. they... I didn't even know they blacksmith chains like that. Did Gendry pop up from nowhere and he's, like, making some big-ass chains? Like I don't know who Gendry night? is. I know who Gendry is. Gendry. But get your Gendry on. Get your ginger. It's just something really big issues yeah. I have with the plot hole. Like, like you have shown it on screen that they don't go to the water and then all of a sudden they're pulling Viserion out of the water well how did they get the chain around Viserion well he just fell to the bottom of the lake we know it's not it's very fucking deep because when they tackled John how far did John go very fucking far so like we know it's not just like like the shallow end three feet deep ankle deep water like you know what I mean like this is stupid it's very, it doesn't very, make any sense it doesn't make any sense it doesn't at all. make any sense to me so big issue there now Another issue I have. John implied that Danny still might be able to have children, but that never got addressed. Yeah, I got a big problem with this. Like, like the, he mentioned, he's like, does that ever, it ever occur to you that she might not have been the greatest source of information? And, like, never got brought up again about the fact that she might actually be able to have kids. Even worse is you brought this up in Season 7 when, obviously, by obvious noticeable scenes you are choosing to speed things up so obviously going into another obviously this means a lot to you why would you not even bring this up ever again yeah just never talked about it <laughs> just never no man fuck that Forget about it <laughs> but she's gonna die soon it's all good i don't know about you not feeling 22 but <laughs> all i'm saying is i don't know about you but i don't see any deleted scenes from that shit it's Getting just, that dirty, like, deleted. The, like, it's one thing if Getting you don't that. bring it up. You just don't bring it up at all. Cool. Don't have a problem with it. But don't sit here and make a point for John to say on screen, 
you know, did it ever occur to you that she may not have been the most, you know, reliable source of information? <laughs> so meaning, like, hey, there's still a possibility that you could have kids. Cool, let's keep thinking about that ones that come up again. Still waiting. So it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I don't understand. Big problem. <laughs> please explain. Someone come at me, please. Now we get into what you you thought was fun when i first came over here today yeah this is awesome the development of magic i wish yeah yeah this is like what happened to the development of magic if you think about any great fantasy series harry like learns some sort of magic that he can't control at a very young age like when he makes the the um just the screen at the zoo disappear and the boa constrictor runs out like he can't control it like and he learned he goes to a school to learn how to control his magic like in aragon same sort of deal like the, he always has something silent that comes out with him in like dire moments that you know he's able to uh, learn how to harness and control it and then you know in lord of the rings like there's a wizard guild that like they're the only ones that can mm-hmm. do magic like you know, the Witcher. Like, The Witcher. Like, they talk about, like, that school, like, where the eels and stuff. Like, they would never explain the development of magic in the Song of Ice and Fire. Just, like, you saw Missandei, or not, sorry, I always mess that up. Melisandre. You see Melisandre be able to give birth to shadows, uh, be able to see visions in light. You see Thoros bringing people back from the dead. You see her lighting a bunch of stuff on fire by holding it and chanting. Like... And what, like, like, where did this all come from? Who has the power? How did they learn this power? Can we get some sort of explanation about the magic? And then, why didn't we receive any more magic later on in the in the show? Like, why did we decide, hey, you know what, magic's not what we're gonna go with here? Like, yeah, they, just, like once Melisandre was gone, that was the end of it. Yeah, like it was basically her and Thoros. Yeah, Thoros. That was it. I mean, I was gonna say Sir Barristan, but yeah, Thoros. Sir was, Barristan. Sell me? He's not Sir Barristan. Barrick? Barrick. Yeah. You know I'm terrible at names. Even Barrick, like he he was just brought back by Thor's man. I guess he did that one cool thing. He could light his sword on fire. Awesome. And he was still dead before Melisandre. So it makes no sense. It just it's just something that never got so what one thing I did here is Even Star Wars, man. At least the force force. was known as like almost like a religion thing. And again, like you need to learn how to control like the balance between the good and the evil, and that's what happened like to Anakin, Mm -hmm. like right? Like so that we just got no sort of explanation or backstory on this magic bullshit. Right. And that's what makes me mad. Um so guys, feel free to talk. I know I know one thing I did hear about is that um they were looking to go stay away from the magic type deal, like not go too far in the fantasies for the casual viewers. But like they still did in some parts. That's why it made no sense. Like if you're not gonna do magic at all, don't do it through the whole series. If you are gonna do it, make it more prominent or at least explain like why like it's uh, like the, the ability is there. Like which is my other problem is we've talked about this before. Yes, you have not the blonde eyebrows. Okay, whatever. You don't have violet eyes. You don't have, you know, elf ears. Like, I I just don't get it. Like, there's not really any history of magic even shown throughout the Targaryens that are talked about. It's not like the Mad King wasn't talked about. Like, he's talked about all the time. And even the Targaryens, it's not that they have too much to do with magic. It's mostly the red priestesses and priests of the Lord of Light. But that's another thing, too, is, like, the Valyrians, though were very prominent with magic which they handed down to the Targaryens. I don't I don't 
I think it's annoying. I have a cool theory, by the way, since this is the summary episode. Malice in the Chalice. <laughs> oh, fucking shit. Put, put it on there. Uh, Summus the Malice in the Chalice. Yeah, Josh thought I was going to knock everything over, too, didn't you? Cheers. Ooh, cheers, baby. Cheers for the dilly. Dilly, dilly. And it's because I couldn't hold this until next episode. And it, I'm not going to share anything as far as, like, history or, or different things like that that actually relates to that. It's just something very different. I sent you some cool pictures this week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Talking about the Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, baby. And it relates to our cards. Oh, man. You want to tell them a little bit? Tell them what nope. I sent you. Go ahead. Tell them what I sent you. So I sent Josh some cards this week. <laughs> so I don't know if you know, there was this amazing, great show that started off with these cards that actually inspired our cards on the screen here yeah. in 2005. <laughs> oh, yeah, big dirty. Let's get another drinky drink over here. Cheersy, I'm gonna need it for this one because this is so left field, which is malice worthy. Malice in the chalice is left field as fuck. So it involves these two main characters. I'll tell you their names at the very end. These two main characters. One has blonde hair and violet eyes. They're both known since ancient times, magic and prophecy, which is how they got brought together all the way in the very end. Two of their biggest monsters are the Blue Eyes White Dragon and Slifer the Sky Dragon, which both of them can command only those two that they're anciently connected with. <laughs> so... <laughs> my theory here is if anyone has watched the Yu-Gi-Oh show Yami Yugi also known as Yu-Gi-Oh also known as Atim who was a king in ancient times basically could have been Aegon the Conqueror who discovered all the realms Yugi and Seto Kaiba they are Targaryens and were the some of the original Targaryens and the Targaryen Sigil, if you go on the website, you will see is a blue eyes fucking white dragon. <laughs> fucking slay. <laughs> now, what would you say about that shit? Could you imagine? Bro, I haven't shit? watched Yu-Gi-Oh! in depth to have any opinion on that, to be honest with imagine you. Imagine if that was sitting there since you were 10 years old and you're like, wow, <laughs> I never really saw that coming. <laughs> yeah so i had to say it i had I, to say I, it. I never watched Yu-Gi-Oh in depth to that point um but uh like think I, of all those things that was definitely malice worthy <laughs> i'll give you that that was oh that, yeah that was some baby. left field shit <laughs> yeah commands it you know the prophecies <laughs> i don't like i said i haven't watched Yu-Gi-Oh, so i don't know any prophecies so my theory here is the real prince that was promised was a tim yami yugi also known <laughs> as Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> that was the real prince that was promised which is why they could never fulfill the prophecy guys he's joking just I'm to let you know just fucking with you, yeah. i hope <laughs> i just thought it was really yeah, no, cool. he's so funny he's like hey this idiot thinks that Yu-Gi-Oh is the prince that was promised <laughs> no i don't actually think yeah, that. i know i just started but, looking uh, at pictures and i was like he, this is awesome yeah so also <laughs> I, I get like this like set of pictures on my phone and it's just 
like showing like how it could relate to each one and how Yu-Gi-Oh could have been the prince that was promised. So it was and pretty it, funny. Didn't it look badass? It looked yeah, it like funny. Yu-Gi-Oh was like the badass and Danny was just sitting there like cowering like, "Oh, I hope <laughs> to be you one day." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so last thing I have on, on off to the shadow realm with you by the way Bye-bye. you know what phrase that's from <laughs> oh yeah. okay good stuff last thing i have really here is uh what happened to mance raider's 400 wildlings that he sent to climb the wall five miles west from the wildling main camp because guys if you remember this this is when john snow i believe it was uh season four episode 10 Jon Snow went out to the Wildling camp by himself to talk to Mance Raider to try to kill him so that way the Wildling army wouldn't have a leader because they only had like 50 men left at this point when they uh, survived the first night of attacks from the Wildlings, right? So when he goes to Mance Raider's tent, they like cheers to Egret, they cheers to Mag, they cheers to Gren, and like, you know, he basically tells him you know, uh, that I know that you don't have the, the men, you don't have the resources, and you guys are basically screwed. He tells him... The, the exact words do I have the uh, oh okay so I have the quote that I'm talking about later on of where they are but he tells him that uh, I sent an army of 400 wildlings uh, west of the, the, uh, the climb the wall 5 miles west from here in an unmanned area now keep in mind Stannis Baratheon arrived from Eastwatch so if they went west from the main camp they're not going to interact with Stannis, who's coming from the east, who ends up wiping out the main wildlings there, right? So, the issue is, the Night's Watch being down to almost no one, that's why John went to Man's camp in the first place to try to kill him. Man said these words about the 400 wildlings that he sent. He said, quote, A lot of them will die climbing, but most of them will be over by the end of the day. That never comes up again. The, the wild things that he sent five miles west from their main camp, they said a lot of them will die. Let's say a hundred of them die. That's still 300 wildlings free-ranging attacking Castle Black that never come up again because that would be then that was way before Stannis was able to decimate their army from the east. They went west, so they didn't interact with them and then get taken out by Stannis and along the way. No, they were on the opposite side. They climbed the wall. He said most, like, so a lot of them will die, but most will be over by the end of the day. Well, guess what? Where do they come from? Like, whatever happened to them? Because if they actually come from the side, the, the Castle Black's done, and Stannis has to retake, uh, you know, Castle Black from the Wildlings now. Because 400 Wildlings are going to overtake the 50, like, like really tired, exhausted survivors from the Night's Watch, right? So my issue is that never came up again. It's like they just disappeared into thin air, never ever talked yeah. about. I have no answer for that either. Like, that's what's so annoying is I want to sit here and try to come up with a solution for it. But these plot holes are so massive. I can't cling on to any evidence that supports it. I don't know. Do you have any support for that? Is there anything you can think of in the books or even past seasons that supports it? Nothing. I don't know, man. Uh, Nothing. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> that's and that you know that's where I kind of leave it for the plot holes and unanswered and unexplained occurrences. If you guys have like, more, what's the point of the wall? <laughs> yeah, if you guys have more that you know maybe we didn't bring up or we couldn't think. Of, I mean, I find it hard to believe we touched every single possible one. I'm sure there's other ones that were like risque, but anyways, those are a lot of big things too. And then just I'll leave it on this end too. How funny was it 
that all along Robert Baratheon was very right in the beginning. What if she brings those Dothraki savages to our shores? And that's exactly what yeah, she did, I mean, big, bo- big Bobby wow. R. Like, you know, like, that's exactly what she did. Like, like, he had the right idea to kill her as a child. You know, that, like, he called Ned an honorable fool, and that's exactly what Ned was because Robert saw what could have happened if it all went like the way that he saw in his mind, which is exactly how it ended up coming to pass. So if they listened to Robert Brathen in the first beginning of the whole entire series, we wouldn't even have this problem to begin with. Which is tough because you almost want to think, you know, Robert Baratheon wasn't a bad guy. I don't think it was a bad guy. Also, though, I got to say, going back to season one, he was very influenced by Cersei. Like, he didn't have a whole lot of say. Remember, Cersei wanted to kill Lady because of trying to yeah well the thing is i don't think he was very influenced by cersei because remember when like they were talking fat (laughs) well remember this he was very out of shape unkept well think about this when cersei and ned were at odds and after like the guy jamie's guy stabbed ned in the leg and he was laying down and like robert was trying to make peace with him cersei was talking about like uh you know how Jamie was twice the man Robert was, and he's like, maybe I should wear the crown and you the gown, and he backhanded Cersei. Like yeah. he never, like he didn't give a shit about what, what I said. mean like, by. Sorry, I don't mean but, to interrupt you. Yeah, I just don't think he was very influenced by Cersei. That one part in time about like the dog, like the the wolves, I should say, maybe. But well, I mean, and what I mean by unkept and and obese is. Well, I'm more worried about what you said about being influenced by Cersei. I, I know he wasn't very good in shape. I'm not gonna argue that. I'm talking about. I don't think he was very much influenced by well, Cersei at all. No, my point to being that saying that he wasn't very much in shape was he just didn't care anymore about anything. Like I mean, yeah, yeah like he he cared to get Ned over in, you know, as his hand over in King's Landing, which is where. You know, that was his best bud. He wanted his best bud in the capital. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, there's not. He was almost like Ned. Like, he was a good old boy, but I can't see a whole lot of evidence where he was, like, intellectual, like, Kyburn or anything. No. Like, he's no not. One, no one that, said he was. Like, we're just. I mean, like, I just don't think he was. My point being to all this, I feel like Cersei, being as smart as she is, she would have kept influencing him, influencing him, and outsmarting him, and been like Tywin Lannister and pulling strings. My whole thing, I didn't give a shit about that. I'm talking about the fact that he was right all along, saying like she's gonna bring the Dothraki savages to the shore, and he called her, you know, basically fucking up Westeros long before she even was able to. He called it. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, man, that will uh, that will kind of leave us off here, guys. And you know what we always like to do at the end of all of this is we like to thank all you and all the people who are listening to us on a day to day basis, uh, all the downloads that we get, guys. So uh, this one was really really important because this is where we really talked <clears throat> about the plot holes and things that were missed by Benioff and Weiss and the writers are things that just were never explained and like characters that just never showed up again. So, uh, you know, looking forward to your feedback on this one more than, more than most, because this is going to be one where everyone's going to have a couple of opinions and things that they have questions on that maybe we didn't cover today. So if you have anything like that, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing it, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's good stuff. We got, uh, 
don't worry, it's not the end of the road yet. So we got a couple more weeks left here. <laughs> sure do. Um, but yeah, it's all thanks to you guys. You know, follow us on Instagram. Follow us. We're on Twitter now. <laughs> we got uh, the LinkedIn. We're still working what, on the TikTok thing. What's that fun thing we always say? That you know, the the cliche. Like, you know, if you like it, click like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Please do so. It helps us out a lot, and you guys have already helped us to get to this point where we're at right now. So. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to keep rocking with you. Now, um, next week, what we're going to jump into are going to be probably something that you guys are really interested in is rewrites as told by Chase and Josh. Uh, we'll, Chase and Josh. <laughs> we'll, yeah. take a, we'll take a stab at uh, kind of putting our own thoughts into how we would have liked the season to end. And, uh, you know, maybe we've got some more stuff up our sleeve after that as well. But uh until next time, this has been the uh, summary portion where we have discussed the leading up of Danny becoming the Mad Queen. Then also those plot holes, unanswered questions, the uh, characters that were just left out, unexplained occurrences, uh, prophecies that were never fulfilled or at least not explained properly. So looking forward to uh, having you back for our rewrites. But in the meantime, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.